Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast, along with my partners, Brian Siegler and Jonathan Talley. I am Curtis Wilson, and this episode is brought to you by Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts at Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. If you love this podcast, the Hokies, the town of Blacksburg, make sure you are supporting Main Street Pharmacy when you make your way to town. Whether you need prescriptions, a tube of toothpaste, or just want to stop and say hello, let Jeremy and his team take care of you. The money you spend at Main Street Pharmacy goes towards the things you support. So next time you're in Blacksburg, head on down to Main Street Pharmacy at 301 South Main Street. Fellas, it's been a little bit of a while, but a lot of stuff has happened. How are we feeling tonight? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Got a new job. Getting off earlier. Kids and wife got me doing more stuff around the house. There you go. Still feeling good, man. <laughs> Feeling putting you good. to work. You got the honeydew list growing. Feeling good, man. I love first, it. First of all, huge congrats to that on Tally, man. You've been Appreciate telling it. us so long about looking for something that fits mm-hmm. like your life with your sons and your kids. And when you told us about this, man, you told us like some of the benefits. It, it's great because, you know, we all know how it is, man. And mm-hmm. it's lovely that you have that opportunity. It's also lovely for us because we're going to be able to talk more. Hey. More stuff with the podcast, hey. more eyes on things. Mm-hmm. And man, tonight, yep, our people. Thank you, Jerry, for that. But tonight, you know, y'all, it's going to be a lot of fun, right? We've had this man on multiple times. And for the last 11 days, David Cunningham has been living out of a suitcase between Seattle, back to Dulles. And then instead of driving back to Blacksburg, he stays in Dulles and flies back to Dallas. Bring him on because the question, the first question I have for David as you pull him on here, when did you actually get back to Blacksburg? Because you told us you left the Thursday before the Sweet 16. When did you actually get back in Blacksburg this week? Uh, First of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. I got back Sunday at 4 o'clock. So I was gone for 10, 11, 12 days. So, I mean, hey, man, that's – they, they went to the final four. Uh, it was, it was a treat to, to cover the sweet 16 and the elite eight in Seattle. And then um, to get to cover, fi- you know, Virginia tech in the final four in, in Dallas, that was really, really special. And, um, you know, they played good basketball. Um, you know, they played good basketball when they played in the, in the Blacksburg sub regional when they were in one seed. So um, they played good basketball all year, 31 and five went to the final four for the first time in program history, nothing to be ashamed of at all. Um, you know, I would say, probably the second greatest Virginia tech sports season ever. So um, yep. it pr- pretty impressive all around. And it was, a, it was a treat to be part of it. Just so happened that it took a whole lot of travel on my part, but we, we made it work. <laughs> coast to coast Cunningham. Yeah. So let's talk about it first. Let's talk about the sweet 16 up in Seattle, man. And it was, it was, you know, four, four three formidable foes there. Tennessee, who the program had seen earlier, beat in Knoxville and across. It was either going to be Ohio State with that unbelievable press and defense they have, or the juggernaut that always is UConn. So, just take about that those first couple games. A, the attendance with the fans, and just the way the team played in those two games. How impressed were you to see they hadn't been there before, and it didn't look like that? Yeah, well, I think one of the big things. Is, um, First of all, you you mentioned the fans. I thought it was a good showing from a lot of uh, a lot of Virginia Tech fans. Um, you know, I, I was talking to some people, including Grayson Wimbish, who you guys know. He flew up from 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 L.A. Um, he flew up to Seattle to to come watch Virginia Tech play. 
Um, there was a good crowd from from Virginia Tech fans, but there was also a good crowd just from everybody else in Seattle, the locals. Um, it's a great women's sports city. Obviously, they had the Seattle Storm there. Um, it's a great local sports city, period, but but they especially love their women's sports, you know, with Sue Bird, who was in attendance. Um, and I thought it was, was really cool. I mean, there was essentially a sold-out arena for every single game that was played there, except for the Tech game on Monday night uh, against – Ohio State, not, that was a little bit tough because Monday night, Monday. all the people that were covering Ohio, or Virginia, or I guess all the people that were covering Iowa and Louisville and everybody on the other side of the regional, along with UConn and Tennessee, had already left. There were only two teams there. so um, but, it, but it was really cool atmosphere. Um, the arena's phenomenal. Um, as far as the games are concerned, you know, Virginia Tech had never been on that stage before, but, but they never – you know, thought twice about it. The moment was never too big for them. Um, they played really well against Tennessee. Um, you know, I think in, in both games against Tennessee, against Ohio State, there were moments where things could have gone south and they buckled down and kind of stuck together. And that's what they've done all season. And they fought through it. And against Tennessee, you know, that was when the volunteers cut it to one uh, late in the second yeah. half and, and they kind of turned things around and, scored a couple of big baskets, locked down on defense, and and rode out the win, first Elite Eight appearance in program history. Then they played press-happy Ohio State and, and pretty much completely dominated that game. Um, you know, Ohio State led for some moments here or there, but, but never felt like Virginia Tech wasn't in control of either game, really. Um, maybe a little bit when Tennessee had some momentum. But, you know, you win two games and get to the Final Four, so special. Um, and, again, it was it was a really cool moment. You know, a lot of the families were there um, for the Virginia Tech players, and that was cool. There were a ton of Tech fans there. And, um, just to see that happen, um, you know, they, put, they played really good basketball, and I don't think they never doubted their ability to get there. So many other yeah. people did, um, and I think, I think that kind of made it even more special, the fact that they were the one seed. They always knew they had the ability to get there, and some people looked at them and said, ah, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not historically a women's basketball school, and – they just said, we don't care. And they, they went on to the final four. And I think that was a pretty unique part of it. Yeah. The moment never seemed too big for them. It definitely seemed like they were playing for each other and kind of playing within um, the framework that Kenny Brooks had laid out for, for each, each opponent there. And I think the fact that the moment never got too big for them and that they stuck together and kind of trusted that process definitely um, helped them out. Um, and, and it's, it's incredible when, when you look at how the, you know, the, uh, the, the matchups played out there, you know, you, you had Tennessee, which, you know, a lot of history. Um, and then you, you, you're looking at, okay, either Ohio state, you know, they've got some horses. Then you also have, you know, UConn on that side of the bracket with, with their history. And it's just, it's incredible. The eyes that got put on Virginia tech women's basketball that haven't really been there before. Have y'all seen the rating with Monday night did with the late guys, a late game slot, 2.78 million. That's insane. That's higher than some of the football games this year. And I know yeah. the product, we'll get to that later, and the yeah. product and everything. Yeah. And then, you know, we talk about down Friday night. I mean, I sat and watched it here. I, I'm here in the man cave. We've got the big TV, and the kids want to watch a movie, and that's fine. I got watching the game. A, the rating was almost 4 million people. Like Brian said, it's eyes, right? How do you keep bringing more people to the program? How do you keep bringing more money? Go to the national championship in wrestling. Go to the Final Four in basketball. And Friday night, you know, against LSU, I mean, it, it, it hurt. I think anybody that's a fan of the team know it hurt. 
But watching that game, I mean, the physicality at which LSU played and which the refs let them play, and I will say let them because there were quite a few, in my opinion, and maybe I'm Homer, there were quite a few times where it was legitimate fouls that weren't called. And I think, Tally, Brian, y'all both can say it, and David as well, everybody's played. If, you, if you're playing a physical team and they're not getting called fouls, it, it's immediately in their favor of however the game flow goes, even if, yes, we did have a lead going to the fourth. But well, I'll, I'll throw this in there real quick, th- thinking about some of, the, some of the AFC championship games of yesteryear where the Colts are playing the Patriots and they're just letting them corners mug the receivers. And it kind of reminded me of that because the Colts in that time frame were very much a finesse type offense and the Patriots were very much a, we're going to get in your face. We're going to push you around. We're going to, whatever the rest will let us get away with, we're going to do. And and it kind of felt like that, that type of mirror there looking at, at the physicality that LSU brought to the table. And I mean, no fault to them. I mean, if they're going to let you play that way and, and you've got the ability to, go for it. Yeah, man. I mean, besides uh, everything that we're talking about, we got to give a got to give a shout out to to Kenny Brooks and and, and the girls, man. Because I, you know, all of us are on Twitter, we see the we see the hashtags and the the memes and all types of stuff. Conference Kenny, and you know, it seems like through the whole season, everybody was waiting on them to falter or waiting on them to. You don't make a mistake, and they didn't. You know, they, they the whole season they were a solid basketball team, a, a really good basketball team. You know, to go and win the conference, to go and uh, get a number one seed, to get to the final four. It's just like uh, like David said that the moment was never too big. You know, and when you get into a game like that, you know, I'm kind of on the other side of it. Um, I I I love to see if I'm gonna watch women's sports, man, like women's basketball. I love to see them let them be physical. You know what I'm saying? Because they're athletes. You know, people think, oh, it's a woman. They're not supposed to do this or not supposed to react this way. We've seen all the hoopla in the news. Like, just let them. They're athletes. When we're watching them play, let them play. If a man did it, you wouldn't have nothing to say about it. It's let them play. You know, so if that's what we're doing, let them play. So I I, I think, again, the moment wasn't too big. Virginia Tech was uh, definitely right where they needed to be. Uh, we let one slip away, in my opinion, but. No, no fault to the coaching staff and the girls, man. They played a young ladies. They played a they played a great game, a great tournament, and uh, I was I was proud to watch them play. David, let me ask you this: This was your first Final Four coverage. Give me the feel because that arena looked jam packed. It looked loud, not only from the LSU side but from the Tech side as well. What was it like? You're there, courts. I'm assuming courtside. Okay, courtside. I know sometimes they yeah. stick y'all up in awkward spots. With no, the big I, I was. Like yeah, no, I was. I was courtside. It was cool. Um, I mean, there were a lot of Iowa and South Carolina fans there too. It was. It's just cool environment, man. You mentioned the, uh, the just the eyeballs. I mean, there were almost ten million people that watched the the championship game between LSU and Iowa. That's how you continue to grow the game. Um, you know, even when. For, for those people who don't like Angel Reese, Angel Reese FaceTiming Lil Wayne after LSU wins, stuff like that is how you grow the game, right? Cam Chancellor and Brandon Flowers showing up to watch Virginia Tech play. That's how you continue to grow the game. And, um, yeah, I thought the, the arena was um, – the arena in Dallas is really, really cool. Mavericks and Stars Arena, um, really, really great crowd. And, again, Virginia Tech was 10 minutes away from getting the national championship game. Um, and I think it got to a point where LSU was just better. Um, but uh, 
you know, I, I think you mentioned it, Tally. Multiple times this year in the past where where I don't think Kenny Brooks and the team would have gotten to that next step. And and they never really wavered. They never really blinked. Um, you know, so many people were like, oh, Virginia Tech's going to – going to lose here. Okay, Virginia Tech's going to lose here. Well, they went out and won the ACC championship. Then they were number one seed. They won 15 straight games and then played the team that ended up winning the, the national championship. So there's only so much you you can do there. And, and they played some really good basketball along the way. They were fun to watch. Um, and, and, you know, now you, you recruit, you know, well, obviously Elizabeth Kitley and Georgia Amor and Kayla King are all coming back. That's two All-Americans, three starters to a, yep. to a team that just went to the Final Four. That's a solid core to recruit to. And you're recruiting you – know, you're pitching them on, hey, we just went to a Final Four. You know, who wants to who wants to go try to win an AC championship again? And, you know, we have the Final Four experience. And, um, you know, again, really historical year. Um honestly kind of amazing. I don't know if it's really set in for a lot of people just how just how amazing that season was. It's hard to get to the Sweet 16, let alone the Final Four. And, um, you know, the Hokies beat some really, really good teams to get there and um, they've accomplished a, a lot of really cool things along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, the the news of King and Kitley and Amora having – and Georgia having one more season – it's you go out there and you've got that core and and what are we looking for? I mean, I know we're a finesse team, David, but is it looking for a couple physical bodies that, you know, next year you play LSU is you've got the you've got the two shooters, you've got your inside present. Is it looking for someone who can be a little more physical? Do you think that's what Kenny's going to go with, or do you think he's going to try to find what's been working to get him to thirty-one and five this year, which is just you know. Tell us, tell us all if we're winning twenty eight plus games the next five years. Women's basket, women's basketball will start paying for itself. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think you know Kenny's done a good job. I mean, first of all, I don't know if you guys know this, but but they've got four top one hundred recruits coming in. Nope. They've got they've got a real talented recruiting class coming in. Um, but. Kenny's done a good job with the portal in the past anyway. Kayana Trailer and Taylor Soul, two players who had big roles for Tech this year, came in in the transfer portal this year and last year. DeAsia Gregg, who, who was Tech's essentially sixth starter, um, uh, you know, she came in. She went the JUCO route after transferring from Georgia Tech. But but Kenny Brooks has always found success in the transfer portal. I'm, I'm not worried. I think the biggest thing was – when you looked at Kenny Brooks and his tenure at Virginia Tech from a thousand foot perspective, if you want to say, I think the biggest thing was always can can the product on the floor be better? You knew that he was going to get talent, and he's always had really good talent. Even when Tech, even in his first couple of years when Tech wasn't making the NCAA tournament, um, he, he's had good talented teams. Now the good talented teams are coinciding with wins. They're putting out wins on the court. Yeah. They're they're getting to that next level. You've got to go – you've got to keep going, doing what, what works. Man. I mean, again, they were 10 minutes from a national championship, right? Like, um, you know, and, and you, can, you can talk about them handling physicality, but they handled Tennessee's and they handled it – you know, they handled Dukes. They handled multiple other teams throughout the season. They were 31-5, and five, and I think LSU was kind of just a team of destiny a little bit, right? Um, you know, LSU hadn't hit any three-point shots really all tournament and then come out and, and – shoot the lights out on, on Sunday in the championship game, right? That's just kind of the way basketball works. So um, they're, they're going to stick their, their guns, and um, I'm sure they'll pick up they'll pick up some really good additions, um, you know, as Kenny and, and his staff have done in, in years previous. But 
um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're in a really good spot, man. You're recruiting to a, a team that just went to the final four. Um, nobody else in, in Blacksburg can say that nobody else in the ACC or very few teams in the ACC um, can, can say that. So uh, you got to leg up on everybody. And, and they were already really good in terms of recruiting the portal and mining the portal and finding really good players that fit their system. Um, I think they'll continue to do so. Yeah. Pretty easy sell to say, Hey, we just went to a final four. Come join us. Let's see if we can run it back. Yeah. Definitely. Let's talk about uh, men's hoops a little bit as we kind of move forward here into into the next topic. Um, we'll lead a little bit here with the with the Mike Jones departure. Um, you know how is how is that going to hurt Virginia Tech as we kind of move into you know, further into the off season? And is there any any sort of rumor about who who that next guy up is going to be to, to kind of fill that role? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. So for those of you who didn't see Mike Jones accepted a job at Maryland, he was at the math for, for 19 years. Um, you know, that's kind of his home. That's his background. That's his backyard. Um, I'm not surprised at all. I think everybody involved with Virginia Tech, you know, around the program, everybody kind of knew Mike Jones was going to move on eventually. Where and when just kind of had to be figured out. Um, I'm surprised that he didn't stay longer, but – when when a spot comes open at, at the school, you know at the at the school you're used to being around. Um, I'm you know again he was at the Matha in Maryland, right there next to College Park. I'm not surprised at all. Um, you know somebody told me the other day they called it a waste of time, and I don't know if it was a, necessarily a waste of time. Now what I will say is this: Darren Buchanan, one of his two big recruits he got in, already entered the transfer portal. Um, he was the Washington, D.C. Metro Player of the Year last year. Uh, obviously, everybody knows Rodney Rice. Yep. From what I've heard, Rodney Rice has kind of told Mike Young and the staff that he's planning on staying. But if Rodney was to leave, okay, well, then those are the two main guys Mike Jones brought into the program. I, I think at that point you kind of look at it and throw your hands up and go, there there was no net gain, there was no net loss, kind of just – was a waste, a little bit of waste of time, but like nothing happened. Um, but Mike Jones was a great guy, and, and you know I think there's probably some things that go on behind the scenes, some player development stuff that we don't necessarily know about. Um, but I, I'm happy for him, and I, I think again, I think this hire is going to be really interesting. I'm not sure who who Mike Young is going to go after. Um, I've seen some names thrown around on on message boards and on Twitter and stuff. I'm, I'm not sure if there's anybody specific. Um, but but I do think it's interesting that you know you've got Kevin Gilner, you've got Christian Webster, two guys who have you know you've been very familiar with for four or five years now. Um, Kevin Giltner for longer. Um, can you get somebody that brings something different to the equation? I, I think that's kind of the interesting piece. Chester Frazier was the guy who was here um, before Mike Jones, and I thought he did a really good job of providing a very good defensive aspect. I'm curious to see if if Mike Young could get somebody that can kind of bring a different perspective, kind of like Frazier did um, um, to this team. Um, but you also got to bring in somebody that's a really good recruiter. Um, I, again, I don't know how much it will, re- you know, this move really affects the roster and really affects what Virginia Tech was going to do over the summer. Um, AJ Swinton is a 2024 kid who had, who, who had connection to Mike Jones. He had played at the math in the past. And I think, you know, we're, we're still too far out for him to figure out whether or not he's coming or not. And again, you know, it, it, a high school recruit not coming 
after a coaching change is not surprising to anybody. So, yeah. um, but I, but I think Tech's still in a in a good spot. Now I'm I'm curious to see where Mike Young goes from here and um, how he kind of if he can kind of get somebody that kind of bolsters the staff in a different way, fills maybe a hole or two that that Tech didn't necessarily have covered um, previously. If that makes sense. Yeah, that that does make a lot of sense because, um, like you said, Buchanan and Rice. And if you only lose one of the two, it's a net gain. And I like what you said, David. It's a it's a it's a net neutral. Maybe it's a waste of time. But anytime you get someone from that program to come, at least it shows. And this is just me. Maybe it's me being half full. I'm an optimist. It shows that Mike Young is going to be able to get guys that can recruit down to Blacksburg and help them out. Because if you pull Mike Jones from there, when you know that there have been probably other programs to offer him, it shows you he probably can land a suitable replacement for him. Now, I'm going to flip it over here. Since all this has been going on, there's been two transfer portal guys, which I assume probably already knew Mike Jones was going to be out before they even came to Tech. First, Makai Long, the ODU transfer last year, you know, averaging roughly what? 10 points a game, eight rebounds, long, lanky defender. Seems like that was something I know we on this podcast mentioned a couple times that might have been missing from the team this year. Um, Originally, you know, was a Virginia kid, top 10 recruit back in, you know, 2019 out of Massanutten. Um, David, just if you've got a chance to look, anything on long that you like so far? I like his ability to rebound. Um, I, I think that's I think that's big. I mean, look, he true. You know, he he led the uh, he what well, he led uh, conference USA, I believe, in in double doubles this year. I mean, he's a he's a good prospect. I'm curious. I'm curious to see. And again, we can spend time talking about him and, and Tyler Nickel, obviously the other the other transfer, North Carolina transfer. Um, I, I think I think a lot of Virginia Tech success hinges on whether Grant Bazillion Hunter Couture come back. I'll just put that out there. And I think everybody understands that. But I think Long is a solid addition. Um, he, he gets to the rim. He, he, gets in, he gets fouled. He shoots a lot of free throws. I think he'll be a solid addition in terms of he can kind of help stretch the floor and, and drive it. And um, he's a good defender who can rebound. I think he can kind of do it all. Um, maybe a little bit more accustomed to playing on the outside than Justin Mutz was. Um but but I think he's he's a solid addition. I'm gonna kind of fill in that I, role for. My, oh, go ahead, Tally. I'll let you. I'll let no, you no, no. I was just gonna say, you know, kind of what 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 uh, Cunningham was saying. Um, getting to the getting to the goal and shooting free throws, like watching Virginia Tech. A lot of times for me, it's just you. You just want somebody to just have some a little umph, you know. Love Justin Mutz and what he brings to the table, but he just for a big man. First of all, he's, he's not really a big man. Being six seven, six eight, you know, it's 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 tough to go up against them trees and um just not getting to the free throw line enough, man. And and, and that's what we're missing. We playing games and people get physical with us because we are such a finesse team, you know. And you got Basili shooting threes, which he's great at doing. But you got to have somebody that does the dirty work. You got to have somebody that's in there getting rebounds and can hit those free throws for you, uh, not just getting rebounds and looking the outlet to go back up with him. So, you know, I, I, I think that's a good pickup and I think we need, you know, a couple of more, uh, um, um, you know, three and D defenders as well. That's why I guess Couture is a, 
is a big thing whether he's coming back or not because more of course he can shoot everybody knows that but i don't think people give him enough credit for his defense you know when he went down the defensive aspect of the of the team was much different so um similar to what 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 david is saying man just this hire i hope that he brings somebody in because i've been very i don't want to say critical but i've just been skeptical because i like to argue with people just about basketball but you know i hope he brings something in just that defensive aspect to just ramp it up a little bit. So um, I got off the course a little bit, but I, when he said that, that kind of touched a little <laughs> bit of what I was thinking. Yeah. And I mean, I know, I know Tyler Nickel can do a little bit of that. Um, what do you, what do you like about Tyler Nickel, David? Um, uh, it's tough because he's, he's so young, right? I think, I yeah. mean, I, he's, you know, he only played as a freshman, kind of a similar situation to John Camden, although he played a little bit more. I think he's kind of a more advanced John Camden. I think he's a guy who can stretch the floor a little bit. He can shoot the three ball. Um, he's a solid rebounder. He's a good scorer. Um, my biggest thing is, can he play defense? And I think so far, you know, he showed a little bit at Carolina that he could play solid defense. I think he's going to be a good role player. I wouldn't expect him to come in and start, but I think he's, he's going to be a big help. I, I think Tech's I don't want to say problem, but I, I think the question you run into it, if you're Virginia Tech is if Hunter Katork doesn't come back, you don't have many guys with experience. And yeah. Makai Long has experience, but you'd essentially be playing Sean Padua. Um, you hope Rodney Rice. Um, you're playing MJ Collins or Tyler Nickel. You're probably playing Makai Long. And if you don't get Grant Bazzilli back, you know, you're playing win kid, right? So I think a lot of it hinges on whether Couture or Bazzilli come back. But but I think there's a lot of positives. I think this is a group that could have been better defensively a lot last year. And I think Long and Nickel are two solid defensive pieces. Scoring the ball is not really ever going to be the issue for Virginia Tech. Mike Young is, you know, it's not like Tech's going to always be great offensively. But, but Tech is um, – Good, usually better better than most. Um, I'm curious to see how those guys gel defensively, and because I think um, I think Tech needs a bit better paint presence. And I think if Lynn Kidd continues to take steps, that'll be good. Um, but but I think there there are a lot of just questions I have about Tech's ability to to play defense and guard some of the more athletic teams in the ACC, like a Miami, for example. Um, but I think Tyler, you mentioned that Hunter Couture's defense is probably the biggest reason why um, he's so effective. Uh, his defense was really good. Mutz played good defense for the most part. Um, so I'm curious to see if a guy like Sean Padula can take that next step defensively. I'm curious if uh, if Nickel and, and Collins and Rice um, Long can all slot in and, every, and, and this can be a better defensive team for Virginia Tech because I think there were times last year where the offense was flowing and then on the defensive end, there was kind of just a lull and they couldn't get any stops. I think we saw it a little bit towards the end of the year. So I'm curious, but I think, I think Tech's in a good spot. I think a lot of it, again, hinges on Basili and Gator and whether or not they come back. Yeah. Kind of my big observation was always looking at the, the defense, how can that get better? And then looking offensively, how can we get guys that can generate some offense when those shots aren't always falling? Right. Cause we had some of those spells where the shots weren't falling. How can we still generate offense during those, those periods? So you don't let the teams go on some of those longer runs that we saw to kind of claw back in a game that we thought we had in hand a little bit there. 
It's to what Shelton said a couple about a month ago on this program when he talked about there are times in Mike's offense that ball gets stuck. When we see the ball getting stuck right is when we see the other team have big runs. I think what we all thought with Rodney Rice was he's the guy that can break that mold. Rodney Rice has the capability, and we saw his tape. Why was he rated so high? He has that ability to take it off the dribble, right? He's athletic. He's a really good guard. Nickel's similar to that. You look where Nickel was ranked. He was a top 100 player. He was pretty much borderline four or four-star everywhere. Top three player in the state of Virginia. Now, does he have that type of game? No, but usually when you see guys rated that high, there's a few more elements to their game than just shooting or just you know being a good rebounder. So I think the two pickups are good. But, you know, to David, you made the perfect point. It's Hunter and Grant. If Hunter and Grant come back with the additions they've made, a, the team better be better. Better be better. Or Tally will start. What do you say? Tally going to take Criti- behind the shed next criticize, year. Criticize, criticize, criticize. All right. <laughs> let's flip it off and let's get to some football. We're not even to the spring uh, practice yet because between the last time we came, we got commits. We got commits all over the place. And woohoo! The first one we got, our first commit for the 2024 cycle, Davey Belfort, out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Western High School. If you don't know, Dad's Vitor Belfort. Dad was a stud in the UFC back in the early 2000s, and still a stud now, knocking people out in these some sort of boxing. I saw that pop up the other day on my Twitter feed as Pop's knocking somebody out. Uh, Three-star, you know, pretty good offer list here. Brian, I'll flip to you on Davi. I know you had a chance just to look at the highlights. You know, smaller guy, 5'10", 185. What do you like about him, you know, and what do you hope we're right about? I mean, pr- pretty polished quarterback kind of out the gate. I think that's the big thing that you see with him. Um, you know, the question is going to be frame-wise, size-wise, can can he hold up um, in an offense that's going to, you know, have a little bit of that RPO, a little bit of run, run action for the quarterback and – um, you know, the ability to throw in the run and things like that. But everything I'm seeing right now, I mean, he's got the ability to get that done. Um, I, I like the, I like the ad, um, you know, we, we can have a debate about whether we should be taking another quarterback that uh, is about, you know, 10, 15 minutes down the road from me uh, as well in this class. And if we can push hard enough to get both of them, but I like, I like this as a, as a kickstart to the, the 2024 class. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean, definitely was happy that the that it that it we finally got started. Uh, I kind of look at him. I don't know. I looked a, a little bit of film. He kind of reminds me of a more polished Burmeister, um, just with the athletic ability, the athletic ability that he has. Not you know, didn't look scared. You know, on film, of course, taking some hits, still delivering the ball, able to move a little bit. So. Um, I mean, if you're going to start off with a quarterback, I don't, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. Uh, now, I will say, since you brought it up, I won't go too deep into it because we're talking about people we do have. But there's been so many arguments about why aren't we looking at this quarterback, or why aren't we looking at this quarterback, or why aren't we doing this? I'm a Virginia Tech fan and have been for a long time. I don't think it's in Virginia Tech's best interest to wait on anybody to commit. If you can get somebody, you need to get them because. We've been burned so many times thinking, oh, we have this person or this person's a solid commit, and then they go elsewhere. So if these quarterbacks that's right down the road or whatever the case may be, may be coming, 
I still want them, but I don't think you can. We're not in position to wait. Like we got to get if we got talent that's wanting to come, we got to let the talent come in. David, what's your thoughts on what's your thoughts on Davi? Honestly, I've been so busy. I, I, him and, and Dandy, the other commit, I've been so busy covering women's basketball and doing all the spring football stuff. I honestly haven't had a chance to, to dive that deep into him. But I do think he's a, he's a good commit. He had a lot of good offers. Um, yeah, honestly, I, I, there's plenty of quarterback controversy on this current team to <laughs> think to worry about. So oh, I mean, yeah. we're being completely We're getting honest, to that. Right? Like we're getting going, to that. We'll be there. <laughs> but I mean, I, if we're if we're being completely honest, he joined you know he joins a loaded quarterback room. Like and and by loaded, I mean there are a lot of bodies. Somebody's going to be the odd man out. And, yes, right. Um, but I, but I think it is a good pickup on the recruiting trail. I think he's a guy who, um, you know, could could turn out really really well at Virginia Tech. Absolutely. You just mentioned the next guy I want to hit on, which is Derek Dandy out of Mount Airy, North Carolina. Um, Top 25 player in the state of North Carolina. We had already mentioned him back a few weeks ago with Matei. And Tally, six foot four, 215 pounds. Tally's been bigger, saying man. it. We're getting bigger. Getting We're getting bigger. We keep getting bigger. bigger. Um, only a few offers here, but also Mount Airy is a smaller school. You're talking about on the western side of the state. Um, but you know, we talked Brian, me and you were talking to Robbie about him just a few weeks ago, and he says he reminded him of house games. I know house's career at tech didn't, you know, flourish like we all hoped it would and hope he's doing okay. Now I hadn't seen him on the timeline in a while, but coming out house games had a lot of offers, a lot of interests. Um, yeah. Brian, did you pop quick, pop quick, pop quick. He did pop quick. Yeah. You know, what do you, what I do mean, you looking at it, I mean, he's, he's got a good frame. Um, I, I'd like to obviously see him put on a little bit more weight. Um, you know, before he's ready for prime time, but you know, I, I like having a guy six four frame um, plays a little bit bigger than his weight. Just looking at the tape, so that that's a good sign. Um, you know, like most high school edge rushers, he doesn't quite bend the way you want him to yet. But I mean, that's something that's very coachable. So I like the pickup, and I think it's something that you can kind of build off of. You know, definitely, kind of an under the radar type talent. Um, you know, similar to we saw, you know, a couple guys that were in the the previous class as well. I agree. I'm all right with it. I ain't watch like again. Yeah, I ain't watch a whole bunch of tape on him. I just seen the size, and I'm like, no five elevens, <laughs> no five eleven defensive ends. I'm all right with it. Let's that's go. The best, that's the best part about tally on that. <laughs> and, and you know, the funny part, y'all, is is if if y'all who were here a few weeks ago watching with Matei, and I know David, you know, you have some relationships with Matei there. Matei, man, we talked about Florida. Check. Made me happy because I'm worried about, like, listen, Florida's a talent-rich state. Go get somebody down there. We did that. Matei said, watch North Carolina this year. Second commits from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then Matei was talking about how we sit better with a lot of the top recruits in Virginia. And sure as hell, right out the gate, we get our highest recruited, you know, 247 player from Virginia since this coaching staff took over full cycle. Josh Clark, up out of Alexandria, the 13th ranked player in the state. That's automatically up four from Caleb Woodson, who was 17 last year. 6'1", 170 pounds. Uh, recruited by Derek Jones and Pearson Prelude. I wonder where he's going to play, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you watch his tape, you'll be able to see it too. 
I mean, first couple of plays on his tape, man, he, he's a fluent runner. He's he's picking balls off. He's taking them to the house. Uh, good vision once he gets the ball, once he picks the ball off. I mean, of course, high school is much different than college, but that's why you go recruit. You recruit for the athletic ability, and that's where they – you you get him in there and coach him up. So as far as size goes, I think he you know he's already six one one seventy. Um, easily easily put a little weight on in in the in the college ranks. And um, like I said, just watching the first couple of uh, clips on his tape, man, I was impressed. He's a great he's he's, he's great with the ball in his hands once he gets it. So uh, I think it's a good pickup, really good pickup. I was impressed. With that pickup, even more so than than the Davi pickup, I was impressed with the Clark pickup. Yeah, and I think he's probably going to have be one of those guys that's position fluid his first year on campus. Probably throw him out there at corner, see what he can do. Probably going to end up as a safety, kind of a fluid, rangy safety that that can be a ball hawk. But I like the pickup, big time, big time pickup for the Hokies, in my opinion. David, we know you've been traveling. Anything on him? Anything you heard? No, but I, I tell you what, uh, they can Virginia Tech continues to pick up big kids in the Commonwealth. I, I think that's I think that's the big thing, right? Um, you know, Brent Price made an emphasis, and Derek Jones and Pearson Prelo are, are solid recruiters. Um, you know, I think again, I think this is a pretty solid recruiting staff. I think like they've continued to put good pieces together. I don't think the questions are really in the recruiting part anymore. Um, I think the questions are on the football field. I, yeah. I think that's bottom line. But I, but I do think Clark is a big pickup. Um, yeah. You know, Tech is continuing to make up ground and, and make progress in terms of picking up higher-rated kids in, in the Commonwealth. Um, you know, did well in Richmond, especially in last year's class. Can you continue to make progress? And if you do, and and you go out and put out a good product on Saturdays, you'll you'll be all right. But I think. The product on Saturday's part, you know, I'm sure which we're going to talk about in a sec, you know, I think that's where it all comes down. Because if you're not winning football games, it doesn't really matter how well you're going. Yeah, and, and, and to piggyback off what, what D.C. is saying also, uh, kind of goes back to the basketball situation as well. Because uh, you got Tyler Nickel that is a Virginia and He is, uh, you know, was the best player in Virginia when he when he graduated. Um, He's the VHSL's all-time leading scorer. You, you're gonna, you know, same as like Mac McClung, right? So Virginia people, they 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 pay attention to each other, which most people do. My son plays travel baseball. He's in seventh grade. We hear about a kid that made the ninth grade team. He's playing right over at our high school. We go watch him play. We don't know him. We just go watch him play. He's a seventh grader that's already throwing eighty-five. Yeah, let's go. Let's go watch this kid play to see. Okay. He's pitching on the ninth grade thing. So I say that to say when you get these, when you when you get, you know, a Tyler Nickel to come in, um, and then you start producing with somebody like that, or you get one of these kids from Virginia, just pick one from last year. Yeah. Braylon Johnson or Caleb Woodson. One of these kids goes out and makes a name for himself. A lot of times, again, these kids are the best kid that the people around them have seen. But traditionally, we like in the past. Five years, we haven't had big name Virginia kids doing much. You know, you got you got uh, Tremaine Evans that just signed a killer contract. But I mean, that was a that was a while ago. We need to see somebody at Virginia Tech that produces and gets these other recruits excited. Man, I just play. 
I just played against him. I just played against him last year, mm-hmm. and he's already there doing this. That's what's going to take that the staff and the school to the next level. It's not. So, I keep telling people it's not. It is recruiting. It is the staff, but the staff's doing everything they can do. In my opinion, they're True. going to the places. They're out in the highways and hedges. It comes down to somebody producing on the field, and it's their job to put them in that position. So. We got to go out and make something happen. It's on the field this year. DC, you said it just a few minutes ago. This is a good recruiting staff. And Tally, to your point, it's been five years. Tim Settle and the Edmonds brothers were the last time it was Virginia Products who went drafted high. And now they've been in the league over a half decade. That whole wow. That's but crazy. to your point, on the field is where it's got to happen. We can recruit great all day, but then they got to start winning. And I love what they did with bringing in Brent Davis. I mean, David, you saw him out there a little bit earlier before anybody knew. Um, you know, offensive line coach was at Army, always a big rushing attack. Um, you know, did you, have you had any interactions with him or just seeing him on the field? I mean, I'm assuming him and, you know, he's out there, A, because you're just bringing in a brand-new offensive line coach that's going to be full-time on staff just to help him move along. But what's what's just your uh, thoughts on Brent Davis out the gate? Well, I tell you what, he sure works a lot with the offensive line. Um, I mean, he's trying to fix this rushing attack, um, which, you know, there was so much talk last year about, okay, they wanted to do this thing in the games. They wanted to be this type of team, but they didn't really have the personnel to do it. And there were these injuries, blah, blah, blah. Now they're trying to reconfigure it. I think they've got the personnel to be a type of a, a better rushing team this year. Um, I think having Brent Davis coming in help, helps you incorporate, helps you be more creative and more clever incorporating um, different ru- different type of rushing style, I think, into your attack. Um, he's looked pretty good. I mean, uh, obviously we won't know much until they actually take the field. But um, but I do think it's a big addition. And, and, you know, for anybody who was questioning whether or not, you know, what, what Tech was trying to do, well, you know, they hire Brent Davis and they're like, well, we're trying to figure out a rushing game and, and we're hiring him to come help us figure it out and, and clean everything up. And I think a lot of that has to do with what happens up front, but I, I think Crook and Brooks, which I know you guys have, um, you know, as topics later, I think, you know, those three additions, Davis helping out those two guys, I think if they all gel properly and can get the personnel to gel properly, it, we'll see some success in the running game. Yeah. And it's really hard to do a whole lot without a good running game. Like, and, and we talked about it, you know, last year and I know we're switching schemes, but even in, you know, if we go heavier RPO this year than we saw last year, you're still going to need to establish a good running game for that to have any sort of success because the threat of the rush has to be there for everything else to work. So getting that figured out is definitely point number one for us having success on the offense this year because we actually do have the skilled players outside this year to make defenses pay but it's only going to work if we can rush the ball at least effectively if not very well all right. i agree all right. all right well we got here it took us 45 minutes hey david we messaged you what two months ago we're going to talk spring ball david I'm sure David was sitting here like, oh, yeah, just like last year, 70, 80 minutes. Now we're 45 minutes in and we're just getting the spring ball. But I don't think we trade the world for it because I think what happens with the ladies, having all these recruits come in, 
It's wonderful. But let's hit it up. We're going to start with one subject before we go to break, and it's the quarterback room. Brian, you have a question that you want to ask Mr. Cunningham? Yeah, so, I mean, we got these. We got this big transfer portal ad with Kyron Jones coming in. Kind of a two horse race in the in the off season um, with uh, with Grant Wells there. What have you seen? What have you heard thus far as to the competition? And will this be something that we think kind of carries into the fall? Yes, it is going to carry into the fall. I mean, this is going to be like a like I know quarterback decisions are usually made probably later unless you've got an incumbent. This is going to be one that drags on and. It's not because either guys are not talented, but it's because Tech's still trying to figure out how the offense gels together. Tech, you know, still trying to put pieces together, right? Um, Grant Wells has experience. Kyron Jones does not. That does not mean Kyron Jones is not talented. But right now, he's still trying to figure things out. He has not had any time in this offense before this. Grant Wells had all last year – to learn the offense and he played in it right um you know whether or not he played well you know good or bad he played in the offense that's more experience than drones has um th- this is a i mean i think it's pretty even right now I, th- I would say wells probably has a little bit of an edge simply because he's got more experience and because he's been in that situation before and because he knows what exactly the coaches are expecting of him but i don't think that counts drones out at all and i think to drones, I think it'd be unfair to say drones is 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 like even with Wells simply because he does not have that experience. Right? This is his first semester on campus as a college yep. student. He's got so many other things he's dealing with. He's learning the offense. He's learning his teammates. I mean, again, remember, like I know a lot of the receivers are, are kind of new faces, but. He's never thrown passes to half, you know, any of these guys. Wells was throwing passes to a handful. Um, I think I think the competition will, will really heat up over the summer and once we get into to July and August. And um, you know, I think it's going to be legit. I think it's going to be a two horse race. And um, you know, I think it's way too early to tell. But but I think I think they both have their skill sets. And I think a lot of you know, Brent Davis coming um, and the new offensive line. I, I think all the pieces around them are improving, right? People can look at Wells last year and say, Wells was not a good quarterback. Well, Virginia Tech was not a good offense. Right? No. There was no there was no <laughs> offensive line. Keyshawn King, you know, Malachi Thomas was okay when he was healthy, but he was barely healthy, yeah. right? The tight end room was okay, um, but the only wide receiver who could get separation was Caleb Smith. That's not a lot to work with, right? I think if the other pieces continue to improve – Grant Wells or Kyron Drones, whoever is the starting quarterback, is going to be in a better position, right? And, and I think this is a good opportunity for Tyler Bowen to experiment a little bit and figure out what works and what doesn't. Um, so it's going to be something that progresses on through August. Thank you. I got, I got a lot to say. <laughs> we we got to go to break. No, we no, no. To, no. Oh, don't break. Oh, okay. ain't breaking well. yet. Well, I'll break well, it. You, you, you go on with what you got to well, say in your well, question there. No, no, no. The, you know, first of all, <laughs> you made him so damn all, happy with that statement, David. <laughs> no, man, it's been so many people. Y'all don't understand. 
I've been fighting. <laughs> it's been a gauntlet, man. I've been fighting people. I think I got into it with uh one of one of Grant Wells' his, his uncles or something on Twitter. I don't know. He was on my head. He was, oh, you hate him. You got an agenda against him. And I'm like, I just said he wasn't good last year. That's it. I understand that the offense was not good. I, I, I objectively, I don't think he was very good. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's all but, I say. That's but, all I say. Objectively, but, that offense was, was one of bad. the worst in like Power Five history in the last twenty years. Like that offense was atrocious. Yeah, I agree. and it wasn't just Wells, right? I agree. It was all over the damn place. So, for for me, uh, and this is kind of going to lead into the next point as well. Um, when you do have what we had, which was a shit show last year, a quarterback that can make plays with his legs as well as his arm, uh, they keep talking about triple threat. I've never seen a quarterback make a play with his head for real. It's either his hands or his arm. I mean, his legs or his arm. But I get what they're saying. <laughs> I feel like if we had somebody in place that could do that, and I'm not saying it's drones. I'm just saying I feel like if we had somebody that could do that, it just – we wouldn't have lost a couple of games, not because the team was so good or the team was so bad. I just think we just didn't make one or two plays that we could have made at that position to propel us to a win. Uh, and, again, takes us to our next point because uh, I'm a big drones guy, just watching him, watching what he is and how he plays. Uh, you've seen him a little bit more than we have. What Have, have you seen anything from him in practice that just kind of made you go like, Damn, we didn't have that last year. Well, I think his athleticism. I think that's important, right? Um, not that Wells is not athletic, but I think Wells. Uh, I think I think Drones is a guy who's built more for that. The exact reason why you hire Brent Davis as an offensive consultant because you want to run the football and use the quarterback. I, I think I think that could be if it does end up being Drones. I, I think that's something he could provide, right? Um, he can provide a little bit more of that quarterback running game. Uh, I, I think his athleticism is, is, is something that stands out to me that um, doesn't necessarily, you know, I think some of the, some of the younger guys, both Taj Bullock and, and Devin Farrell are, are also athletic pop Watson. I haven't really seen much of him. Um, I think some of those younger guys are also athletic, but they don't necessarily have the, the composure and the poise that drones does. Right. Um, or that Wells does. So I, I think his athleticism, if anything, is, is going to make him stand out. Um, but I also think we'll see more, we'll, we'll see more of, of that as he gets more integrated into the offense and as it becomes less of, hey, let's learn the techniques and fundamentals of how we want to do things and more of, hey, let's, you know, once we get to the fall, right, it's going to be, okay, who's the better quarterback? Now right. it's more of, do you understand what we are trying to systematically install? Do you understand what we are trying to run? Um, but I, but I think his athleticism could potentially provide a, a different dynamic for Virginia Tech this year. Yeah, I mean, just I looking agree. at him, I mean, athleticism combined with a little more physicality than Wells would bring to the table, right? Because he's he's not just athletic, but he's athletic and strong, and I think those two combine well to if you want to use your quarterback as a rushing option and, and implement again, more RPO where you can have that quarterback as a legit rushing threat on every play. And that, sure. that's going to put that defense in a lot more conflict. It, it's going to put them in the binds. It's going to put them having to make decisions every single time he sticks it in Tootin's or Thomas's gut. If you crash and he pulls, 
you're giving up a big ass play. We saw that. We saw that in some of the tape with West Virginia and some of his high school film. He's athletic. By the way, David, Thomas Train agrees with you here. He probably doesn't know everybody's name yet. That, 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 that's fully important with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big thing, right? You got to remember, and it's not just not just him. It's all the young guys. Like, I know we're going to get down and talk to wide receivers later. I guess not the young guys necessarily, but the new guys, right? We're going to get down and talk to wide receivers later. Like, like Ollie Jennings and, and Daquan Felton and Jalen Lane. I assume they know the quarterback's name by now, but like getting into getting into a rhythm probably takes a little bit of time and learning what they want to do. So um, I, I'm curious. I mean, everybody's going to have their eyes on drones come come the fall. I'm really curious to see what the biggest changes are in his development over the summer. Right? His in terms of his work ethic and how he gets into the gym and. Um, and stays working on his craft because he's, I think he's got a real legit chance. If he continues to work at it, Wells just kind of has a little bit of experience on. I got, yeah, it's it's true. So we'll, we'll see that as time progresses. We'll see it as, as, as Brian said a few weeks ago, the real competition starts at the spring game. It's not Mm -hmm. right now. Now let me ask this because you mentioned a little bit earlier, all the younger guys and there are a boatload on here because I'm staring at four as I look at the roster do you feel like before the end of spring or after spring, we're going to see position changes or potential portal from any of those guys? It's got to, Tristan's got to come from somewhere. Virginia Tech's at 90 scholarships right now. You've got to be down to 85. Tristan's going to come from somewhere. And you don't need six quarterbacks on the roster. That's just plain and simple. Um, I mean, I, I I hate to like point name, you know, like name names, but but I think I think a lot of it, you know, I I wouldn't expect Grant Wells or Kyron Jones to transfer out, and I wouldn't expect Pop Watson or um, Dylan Whitkey, the two, you know, the two other newcomers, to transfer out. I think it comes down to the two guys in the middle, and that's Devin Farrell and Taj Bullock. And I think at this point, a lot of it is, can you play a different position? right? What is your position versatility? And some of those guys might have position versatility. The other thing is those guys want to play too. It's not like, you know, quarterback's one position, I think, one of a few positions where it's like, if you're not playing, you don't get experience, right? Um, or if, if you're not the starter, I should say. Um, you know, if you are, if you're the third string or fourth string cornerback, you're still going to get a lot of reps, right? If you're the, the third string quarterback, you're not touching the field. So, so I think it comes down to kind of what those guys want to do, what they mentally, how are they, do they, do they enjoy being at Virginia tech? Do they want to go somewhere where the grass might be greener, where they can probably play a little bit more? Um, I think that comes down to it, but I'm, I, I think I would, ex- I would expect to see a little bit of attrition, not just in that room, but in a lot of the rooms where you've got, you're way over, the limit or, or probably where you would like to be simply because you're trying to rebuild this roster. It's all understandable right now. Good deal, man. And yeah, it's gotta be attrition somewhere. I know we'll talk about attrition in another room in a little bit of time here, but we are 57 minutes in. We need to pay some bills before we go to even more spring practice takes from David Cunningham from Tech Sideline. We are going to take a quick pause for a message from our digital partners. 
As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right. We, we got an interesting question in the chat here from Jerry. And I'm going to just throw it in before we get into the offensive line because this is an offensive line podcast. And it says, speaking of coaching, are BT fans okay with a toxic coach or a wholesome coach? Referring back to my Twitter question today. I didn't see the Twitter question, so I can't comment too much. David's laughing. Brian's smirking. Tally's looking down trying to find a tweet. I'm trying to find the tweet. I want to know right. what the tweet was. Brian, you clearly know about this. I, so. I think I, the the idea being, if you're winning, does it matter? No. Fuck no. Not really. If if, if you're getting to where it needs to be, it don't matter. Do, does that matter? Say winning that. cures everything. Winning cures everything. The old Winning. staff, David, you're getting so much more access to practice now. But if Virginia Tech had gone 10, 11, 9, 10, 11, during that tenure, you wouldn't care. A, you're an alum. B, you're a writer because it's a hell of a lot more fun to write about a team that's winning than a team that's losing. We're fans. Oh, he doesn't open practice. I don't care. We won 11 games last year. You yeah. actually give a shit about that? Yeah. Sorry. Winning, winning cures all sins, man. If you're winning, it, it nobody cares. But, you know, it's always good to be, you know, a little bit – People want coaches to be, especially Virginia Tech fans, they want coaches to be Frank Beamer. You are never going to get a Frank Beamer again. You're never going to get somebody like that. You know, again, I love Dwight. I love those guys when they come on and talk about that culture and stuff. But nobody is going to empower and embody what Frank was in that area again. Even if you're, you're doing the best you can and you're doing a good job, he was just different. That's why he. That's why he's a legend. So, um Wholesome, just, you know, touching on that question, you know, it's great to have a wholesome coach like that, but Frank got it done on the field as well. So you you just can't – you you got to win, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, our wonderful – That's your sponsor. Pipe, that's oh, our title sponsor. I need a puppy to win before every game to win. <laughs> Jeremy, we love you so much. Keep keep it up. Keep Jeremy, it going. It's crazy. Jeremy, you you better, keep, I better meet you at the you, spring man. game. I'm coming to see you at the spring game. Go to the pharmacy. And we ain't eating no puppies either. (laughs) He's going to make you take Jameson shots, though. This time. No, sir. I'm not (laughs) drinking nothing with him. He's a licensed pharmacist and all of that. No, thank you. Don't tell us what's good there. Let's flip it, y'all. Let's talk about the O-line. Again, after quarterback, this is an offensive line podcast. And, um, David, you know, how's uh, Coach Crook been able to hit the ground this spring so far? Um, you know, what's his on-field demeanor like, and what have you seen from practice uh, about him? Yeah, I think he's, I think he's fitting right in. Um, you know, he's a guy that's got West Virginia roots. Um, you know, D three roots, kind of, kind of the same roots that Brent Pry has. Um, those East Stroudsburg, PA roots, sort of in that, in that same conference, that same division. Um, Again, those those what some of those West Virginia schools, the tiny schools, um, and he's fitting right in. Um, again, we talk about people who are still trying to learn learn other people's names. My guess is he's still trying to learn his personnel because he's you know he's barely been on the job. But I, I do think um, 
he's somebody at the in the past who's done more with less. And um, from everything I've noticed so far, he's done a really good job in terms of fitting in. Um, I thought it was evident when when Tyler Bowen and uh, I believe or maybe it was Stu Holt mentioned that um, you know he and Elijah Brooks had come in immediately, um, and they'd barely you know they'd barely been in the same coaching circles as some of those guys before. And everybody just came in and, and got to work on their first day. And they basically spent an entire day together in the office and everybody was yelling together and it was fine. It was like they, they had known each other for, for a while. So um, it sounds like Crook and Brooks are both fitting in really nicely. I love hearing that. Um, and, you know, you know, we, we had talked about Crook last time we were on here, um, talked about how we liked the fit, how we liked that he seems like a guy that, He's, he, he has the embodiment of what an offensive line coach when you think of an offensive line coach. So the fact that he's got in there, hit the ground running. I like that. Um, let's, let's pivot to more of a, of, of a depth chart here for what it's worth at this point from the offensive line standpoint. Um, I was very adamant that when you look at the center position, that was the one I was most worried about. I, I know we had some, some depth concerns at tackle, but, when I was looking at center, I was like, all right, that's going to be problematic heading into the season. Obviously, Caden Moore sliding over has helped alleviate some of that. But who are the guys that are getting the majority of reps there at center? And give me at least, you know, at least two, maybe three. Yeah, Caden Moore's the guy at center. Um, Jack Hollyfield is the guy right behind him. I think to, to, that's it, to put it plain and simple. Um, and I think Moore's taking that position pretty well. Uh, that was something Joe Rudolph had suggested to him before he left. Um, from everything I can tell, you know, Brent Pry and the, and, and I don't, we have, you know, I wasn't there when, when Ron Crook spoke to the media, but it sounds like everybody finds that to be a natural fit for Caden. So, um, so him and, and Hollyfield are, are the two guys there right now. All right, well, that makes me feel good. Cause we know Jack was brought in to be the center and, you know, we had a conversation with Caden a few months ago and he, and he, we didn't know. I didn't know. Tally didn't know. Brown didn't know. But when he told us like that, oh, yeah, I've been snapping to learn how to play center. Like, what? Like, you've been like a really good right guard since Jump Street. And mm-hmm. I know, Brian, you've been mentioning it too. Like, you know what? He is a really good right guard. And if he can get the snap down and get the calls out, you're talking about taking – um you're talking about taking a guy who could play at an all-conference level guard and put him there to run your offense and somebody you trust and know. Um, and it also uh, gets more of the guy. Yeah. You actually have more depth on that in that guard slot, so it gives you a little bit more flexibility of, of how you're going to mix and match the rest of the line to get that best five out there. When I say best five, not necessarily best five players, but the the five players that play the best together. Uh, it gives you a lot more flexibility there. Um and let's talk about that a little. Where are some of the other tightest position battles taking place across the line? Is it kind of that that tackle spot? Is it at that that right guard um, spot? What what are we looking at so far as terms of tight battles for the the starters? Yeah, I, I think Bob Schick, Jesse Hansen there at right guard is probably the the one big interesting thing to me. Um, I, I think it. I think the other thing is it's a little bit too early to tell, right? It'd be one thing if if it was an offensive line coach that had been here for a while. True. Ron Cook's still trying to figure out who all works together. Again, he's probably still trying to figure out guys' names, right? Remember the guys' names. Um, 
I, I think I think Hanson and Schick at right guard is what I would keep an eye on and, and to see how that plays out. But um, I also think it's interesting. Like, like this is the first semester for a lot of a lot of these some of these young early enrollees. You know, we haven't seen a lot of Lathe Gannum guys like that. Once they start to get more reps under their belt, how do they kind of fit in? Um, I, I I think we'll know more. We'll get to see a little bit more maybe in the spring game. And then, you know, once fall camp rolls around, we'll get to see a whole lot more um, as far as that is concerned. But but right now, it's just tough. There, there's not a lot of – they're rotating a lot of the different guys, right? Um, yeah. It's not necessarily the same same lineup all the time. They're moving guys around and, and, and trying different things. So it, it's kind of tough to answer. But I do think that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Hanson was kind of the guy at right guard. Now Schick's playing a little bit more there with the starters. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, and I guess kind of <clears throat> rolling into the next point that we have, when you talk about the, a lot of the rotating that they're doing and you're seeing, uh, we know that that group is young uh, as far as the offensive line goes. But are we seeing or are you seeing some more reliability in the numbers? Maybe, you know, hey, if we if this guy goes down, the guy behind him is ready to go a little bit more than we've seen uh, last year? Yeah, I think so. I, I think – you know, a guy like Brody Meadows, for example, that's just one example. I think he's got a little bit, you know, he's got more experience under his belt. Um, I think the depth is there a little bit more. I'm curious to see what happens in once the guys have a, a summer and uh, to, to kind of figure out what Crook wants to do. As you know, maybe he wants to do something diff- completely different than what Joe Rudolph, right? Um, curious to see how how that kind of looks but but i do think i do feel a little bit more comfortable with the offensive line depth um i think there's more talent there to be honest i I think they've kind of bolstered that a little bit there's a lot of young raw talent that's the thing and and how quickly those guys can develop i'm not sure but i do think i feel a little bit better about the talent um i think something else to note is for some of these guys this is their third offensive line coach in three years so that's a whole lot of change. Um, yep. Curious to see if, how, if at all, that affects anybody. But, um, but yes, to answer your question, I feel better about about it. I'm curious to see if those young guys can continue to develop over the next couple months to where we get to the fall where, where when we talk to Ron Crook again, Ron Crook's sitting there going, yeah, I like how this guy's improved and come along. And I, thought he, you know, I thought he got a better grasp of stuff as the spring ended, stuff like that. Um, I, I think right now, Crook is kind of just messing around and trying to figure out, you know, who's comfortable where. Yeah. And he said that in, when he was interviewed after practice one day. And I know you were out, but you guys have added Andy Bitter. Love, first of all, love that you guys have added Andy. Love it. But he talked about it. He's like, it's finding who gels. It wasn't just saying, I'm trying to find the best five offensive linemen. For Brian, who played it, and Tally, who played right on the outside – he said that magic word. I'm not. I'm looking for the five that gel. Who and I put together? It just it flows. The push, you know, the punch to the right, and he's right on the next level. When you hear Ron Crook say that, it was like, okay, he's going to be mixing it up. But you know, most O-line coaches will do that. Now, you mentioned the youth. Well, you got to think. You mentioned Brody Meadows. Brody Meadows has only been here one year. You know, you've got like Lance Williams and Chaplin and Hunter McLean. So many guys coming in 
they're they're they're, they're babies basically. Yeah, and Meadows was working a lot at guard last year. And now he's working mostly at tackle, it seems. So that's a that's a little switch that I think, you know, could be an answer to some of our tackle depth concerns that we True. were feeling like coming into the, 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 and, uh, the spring and, practice so far. So. And you want to know what? I'll say this aloud, David. You can agree or disagree with me. I don't think we're going to be worried about guys portaling out of the offensive line room. <laughs> Oh yeah, man, stop it! Oh well, 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 well. Uh, no, I don't, I, I don't think so. But I, I mean, you also got to. Well, I wouldn't. I, I would say now, no. I mean, I think, I think there's kind of a breath of fresh air with the new offensive line coach, right? Yeah. Um, now nobody's going to be portaling out, but, um, but there are, you know, come depending on what happens after next season, I mean, I think they're like, like, I guess you meant, you meant like right now, right now, I would not expect anything simply because it, yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, so like, you know, for, for a lot of the guys it'd be year two in the program, right. Um, their second different offensive line coach. And if some of them still are not playing, they're going to want to go somewhere and play naturally um right now no and i think i think this is a good opportunity for crook to kind of refigure things and and figure out okay maybe maybe joe rudolph had this guy playing at this position but he's more comfortable here right you know brian and tally you guys you guys have played the position you know how interchangeable some of that stuff can be at at times so i'm curious to see how kind of how crook kind of figures things out and, and messes with it and tries to come up with the best possible combination yeah, I mean, there were times like where we would have different offensive line rotations depending on the type of opponent we were playing. So, I mean, I, it's definitely a fluid situation, um, especially this point in the offseason where Crook is still trying to figure out what he has. And guys are, other than, you know, a couple entrenched starters, are still fairly green heading into this year, even though some of them have experience. So, you know, outside of, you know, Moore and Clements, you know, there's not a ton of full season experience um, that are that are coming in here, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how how the line gels and you know if there's any more shuffling, both at the veteran position and some of the young guys that are kind of fitting into to where we can have that you know eight uh, eight man rotation that you can kind of feel comfortable with. Definitely, definitely. We've talked about a little bit about the offensive line and fluid situations which kind of takes us to you know some other fluid situations which is the running back room um i mean we we, we've had a lot of running backs come through here and had a lot of running backs in that room one of my guys uh alabama boy kenji uh transferred out he's no longer with the team or i ain't gonna say transferred out he's no longer with the team um don't know where he's going or if he's transferred yet uh but he's no longer with the team um, you've been watching them a little bit. Has there been any of those younger guys that has kind of impressed you from watching spring practice so far? Well, I tell you what, um, I think I think Bryce Duke and Chance Black are both. Um, I think they're both coming along strong. I think that whole room is is coming along better. I'm curious to see what happens when we get into a game situation. But but from what I can tell in practice, that whole room's coming along. I think the overall competition in that room is better. And, and guess what? Uh, Brian mentioned Jeremiah Coney by name. Um, obviously, he's an early enrollee kid. 
Uh, I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't expect him to contribute right now, but, but I do think, I think overall the talent in that room is better. Um, and I think a lot of the young guys, I think, I think Coney has some, uh, I think Coney has some promise. Um, I think, I think Duke and Chance Black kind of be solid options. I think it all still runs through Tootin and Thomas. Um, I think that's probably the logical guess. Um, but but I do think there's a there's a bit more depth there in the younger part of that room, um, and I think there are a lot of guys that that kind of might take advantage of that opportunity should it come their way. Definitely, definitely. Um, like you said, kind of Tootin Thomas is what most people's thinking and kind of knowing and looking at. Thomas is a much different. Um, um, when he's in the game, we're a much different team. You know, no matter how bad or good we were. Uh, how bad or good the line was. He's just he runs different. He's not very big, but when he's in the game, he runs he runs different. But um, if you're in that room, you gotta understand. I mean, he has been injured a lot. He hadn't been on the field a lot. So a lot of those young guys have to be taking, you know, those reps thinking I could be next man up at any time. You know, they're going maybe one and two, but it's the game of football. Somebody can twist the ankle and I need to go in and get a couple of reps. And all it takes is one play to, to solidify yourself as getting some playing time. So I'm, I'm just yeah. hoping that, you know, where we are, we're three and 18 uh, last year. These guys are looking at it saying, Hey, I gotta, I gotta go hard every rep to earn my playing time. Cause it's there. Yeah. And I feel like we got a, a pretty decent, um, you know, four man group now with Tootin coming in, and obviously, you know, Bryce Duke had some burn last year. We saw Chance Black get some burn last year, so we got got guys that you know have shown some flashes here or there. Obviously, behind um, Tootin and Thomas, but again, Thomas staying healthy is going to be important, um, just from a depth perspective, because I think you know the, you know, you got tools that that Black and uh, and Bryce Duke bring to the table that are a little bit more change of pace compared to what what those two can do. But yes, speaking of Thomas, I mean he's a guy that always you give him the ball, he's gonna get you a little something. It's not it's not that, you know, hit the line, ball down, gain a half yard and try again. It, he's gonna get you a little bit of extra yardage there. So you always appreciate that. But let's talk about the new coach, Elijah Brooks. Yeah, he's got a track record of getting good production from his position group. Um, and we already talked a little bit about this, which backs are poised to see the biggest benefit from having Brooks in the room? It's tough because I think all of them, to be honest, but I think a lot of the young guys, um, I, I think, I think if you can give them a better base early where they can get off to the right foot and, and I wouldn't expect them to maybe contribute right away, but I do think if you can start to build that foundation from the minute they step on campus to the point where, you know, Tootin and Thomas eventually are going to be gone. And it's going to be up to this kind of core of young guys in this room. I think they're, they've all got some talent. I'm, I'm curious to see if they can kind of take those next steps and even challenge the guys at the top, Tootin and Thomas, for, for those spots. Nice. Definitely. Yeah, and, and that's what you want. You always want the competition. But, you know, for so long we had way too many running backs, and now we're getting at that perfect level of having the right amount, having – some experience, having some youth, obviously potentially more guys to come in this recruiting cycle. And like you said, David, <clears throat> looking at Brooks' track record and then setting a foundation of if you come play for me, you will get production. And if you're selling that and Tootin – and the hope is this year Tootin and Thomas, you know, 
we can only hope go Suggs and Jones. I mean, that would be perfect. But, you know, just a good combination. I want to go to the wideout room next, though, because you said it earlier and you knew we were going to get to it. That room was overhauled. I mean, completely overhauled. Tons of recruits coming in, two already on campus. Which five wide receivers, and I did not do the three where it would be difficult for you. I did five. Who are you seeing getting the most run first? And then with those guys, who are you noticing line up at the X, the Y, and the slot? Well, it's tough because wide receiver is kind of the one position that we haven't really gotten a good look at. And I hate to say that, but um, but that's one of those things where Fontel Mines, I mentioned earlier, Ollie Jennings and Jalen Lane and Daquan Felton are still trying to figure out the reps. And Fontel Mines does this thing where the, the new guys start at the bottom and have to work their way up. I, I tell you, two guys that have stood out to me are Gosnell and Holloway. Tucker Holloway and Steven Gosnell have looked pretty good. Gosnell especially. He's trimmed a lot of weight. Um, he, he looks quicker. He looks leaner. Um, he, he overall looks better. I think Holloway's look really good. Um, but besides that, we haven't really gotten to see a lot of, uh, a lot of that, that stuff. A lot of it just comes against air. A lot of, a lot of their, their reps, you can't really tell much against air. Everybody looks good against air. I'm sure, sure all of us would. Um, so I, I think it's, my knees, no, you know, I, I feel like my knees would be buckling right now. There, man. <laughs> um, I, yeah, but I feel like I feel like it's just tough. Um, I think we'll see more from some of the young guys, um, or some of the new guys, I should say. I think Felton and Lane and Jennings. Well, w- once we see them, maybe in the spring game, we'll we'll get a good glimpse of okay, these are the guys who are who are really showing out and and are really coming along the way. I think Gosnell and Holloway are, have done a really good job in terms of setting themselves up for success this year. Um, and and as far as um, as far as a young guy is concerned, I've been impressed with Aiden Green from the few glimpses I've gotten to see of him. I, it seems like he's got he's really quick, got some good hands. Um, there aren't. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember how many freshman wide receivers are on campus. I don't think it can be many. Um, but but I do think that 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 whole room is has been overhauled, and there are a, a lot more talented guys. I mean, you just look at the three transfers, Jennings, Felton, and, and, and Lane. Those three transfers, that's more depth than Virginia Tech really had all last year in the wide receiver room. So uh, I'm curious to see. We haven't really gotten a good chance to see how those guys fit in with everybody else yet, but I think the spring game will be a really, really good opportunity to see, okay, Here's how this re- this receiver can get separation against this guy. Or, oh, hey, this is this, this is kind of a lineup. Oh, hey, Jalen Lane lines up in the slot. That makes a lot of sense. Stuff like that. Well, a couple of things that you said that I thought were really, really interesting because, of course, that's why you're on BCP and you're our boy and you're giving us some jewels that I don't think nobody even knew. You said mines when he brings wide receivers in, he likes to let them fight from the bottom. Hey, why we may be doing that in the quarterback room. I don't know. Y'all been going crazy on Twitter. <laughs> we might be coming in fighting from the bottom in the quarterback room. But anyway, that's not what I wanted to pivot to. You also said Aiden Green's name. Uh, we had Matei on here a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned that name as well. So um, I know you you said, I think you said you like his hands. He's got really good hands. Um, I'll just ask, would you seeing him in person? Do you think that he has the body size to play 
right now if we needed him to play because I thought he was a little bit more slender. Before I say something, let me look up his height and weight on the Virginia Tech depth chart so I so I know for sure what I'm talking about. Um, gosh, what not? we're talking about Aiden Green. He is 26. Six two one seventy. He's got the height. I think he's a little. Uh, I'm trying to picture him. He had a really good catch the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, now again, a lot of these catches are coming against air, but I was impressed with just his body and the way it's set up. Like he yeah. put himself in a good position. Um, right. I think he's learning. I think if he if he continues to get in the weight room over the summer, I think he probably has a pretty good chance to be in the rotation that would be my perspective of it um next time we get a chance to talk to Fontel Mines I think that's one of the guys I'm curious to ask him about how he's coming along um because it seems like he's taking some pretty big strides and of course you know he was a a, I don't know if he was a a big time recruit but he's somebody that um that Tech went to what I believe Tennessee right yeah Knoxville he's a Knoxville kid I had to go to Tennessee to get him right so he was committed um, to. He was committed to. Uh, I think Cincinnati. Cincinnati. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. Before so he's to... he's impressed me so far. I think he can probably put a little bit more weight on, but I think his hands, his quickness. I think that's been that's that stood out to me as far as he's he's been pretty good in those areas so far. Like Let it. me ask like about it. one more before we move on to tight ends. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see what you think of Xavion Bradshaw at this point in spring practice. I think he's put on a little bit more weight, which I think is good considering he was very, very one fifty, one fifty five last year when they poured it on roster. Yeah, I think I think he's looked better. Um, I think putting on weight certainly helped. Um, it, it's tough because again, a lot of the wide receivers are. It's kind of all over the place. I think they're still trying to figure out the rotation. I think we'll know more when we watch a spring game. Um, Green just kind of stood out to me because he's one of those few young guys that are currently in that room, guys with no experience really at the college level. I saw him catch a pass the other day, and I looked up I looked up my roster, and I was like, oh, man, that's Aiden Green. Okay, that was, that was a pretty good catch. I'm, I'm impressed. Um, Turner Bradshaw, I think he's I think he's been okay. I think, I think he's continuing to grow. I think that's important, right? Um, coaches always say most important time is between your freshman and your sophomore years. That's where you, you make the biggest growth. So I'm curious to see if he can continue to get in the weight room and get bigger, but I think he's taken some strides. Um, you know, I, I, and I think the wide receiver room is, I think that that group, there might be an, an odd man hour or two in terms of, in terms of portaling. Um, we'll see what happens when the depth chart is set, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. After the spring game, um, I think we might see a guy or two kind of leave that room because, again, there are a whole lot of scholarship guys in that room. Um, but, like, guys like Dewan Lofton, who, a guy who's been around for a while, right? Christian Moss. Two guys – and th- that I'm, those are just two examples I'm giving you guys. They're guys who have been around for a while. They – I don't want to say they haven't stood out, but I think Gosnell and Holloway have both made, you know, both put on a good impression this year. I'm, I'm curious to see if Lofton and Moss, if they can continue to develop or if they're going to get passed over by, by some of those younger guys, right? Um, 
I don't know what Fontel Mines thinks about those guys right now. We haven't talked to him in a while. Um, but that's definitely – the wide receiver room is definitely one of the big things I'm keeping an eye on. You know, come the spring game and, and, and once we get into August, just to see how that all shakes out. Because, to be honest, that's one of the reasons why Tech struggled last year offensively, right? I mean, it was Caleb Smith and everybody else. And right. you need more guys to kind of step up. And, and so far, I like what I've seen from Gosnell and Holloway. And um, I know he's young, but if Aiden Green can continue to trend in the right direction, I think that's good. And then – you got that core of those three transfers that I think can all come in and make a big impact. Yeah. And Caleb was definitely more of a straight line guy. I feel like we, we didn't have a whole lot of separation laterally through that, those like mid range routes last year. Hopefully some of these guys can kind of step into that type of role. Um, let's pivot over to tight ends here. Uh, based on your observations so far, this is a stand many- question. This is a stand question, by the <laughs> way, from Brian. <laughs> How many different packages do we have that you've seen so far where we've got Gallo and Wright on the field at the same time? And are there any packages where we're taking, you think we would take Wright off the field fully? um, I guess Wright and Gallo off the field fully at any point. God, I'm trying to think. Um, I guess it's more of a spring game question. We haven't really gotten to see a lot of them – run full stuff we did get to see some blocking stuff okay must have been two weeks ago when i was here last with brent davis um and a lot of it there were a couple things with a couple things with gallo and Wright working together and there were a couple things with one tight end here one tight end there i do think it's important to know that that Wright was a little bit um nicked up he was dealing with an injury over the he's been dealing with injury he was doing some solo stuff when we watched practice on tuesday um, yeah. So he hasn't been been a complete go, but we yeah, honestly I knew he wasn't a ch- full go Tuesday. I, I, I think I saw yeah, that, we so. honestly though haven't had a chance to, to really see uh, a whole lot of the stuff they're doing. But from what I can tell, the few things I could tell seems like they're trying to get both of them involved at the same time. Um, I think it'll kind of be a mix and match thing. Um, I think Gallo's probably a better blocker. I think Wright's probably a better receiver. That that would be my opinion. That's what I'd have to guess. Um, but I think if you can get both of them on the field at the same time, that, that could be a pretty big weapon you guys can use. And then speaking of that, you know, you just brought up blocking. Like, um, besides, we know Gallo's a, a pretty good blocker. Besides Gallo, do we have any other tight ends that's been standing out blocking that you've seen? I tell you, I think uh, – yeah, I was going to say got Stephen Gusnell, but Benji Gusnell. Um, I've been impressed with, with – Benji Gosnell, you know, obviously he right. had a big injury, but but I think both in terms of blocking and, and receiving, he's he's come up um, and he's continued to improve, which kind of says a lot about you know mental toughness and the the, the way that he's able to kind of um, you know fight through those injuries. I think he's looked pretty good at blocking. I think Wright's gotten better from what I've noticed. Um, besides that, that's kind of been the top three guys, right? It's been Gallo, Wright, kind of a one a one b. Um, and, and then I think Benji Gosnell has kind of been that guy right behind him. And uh, I, I think all three of those guys are probably guys that, that they feel comfortable with in terms of blocking. Um, you know, and I think that's been a big part of it. Um, I, again, I think that's one of those things where we'll know more with the spring game. Once we see those guys in action in terms of them getting off the edge and actually having to put somebody on their butt, Right. Once they have an opportunity to do that, 
it's a little bit different when you're when you're blocking a guy with a big giant pad in practice. So, right. um, but I but I liked what I've seen so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a, my buddy Robbie here talks about Benjamin having a ton of talent. And Benjamin was a legitimate four star. Yeah, before his injuries and everything. So Benji was recruited by a lot of different schools. And with his size, like 6'5", 240, you know, straight out of the gate, that doesn't shock me that you say that he's that next guy. And I think just from a perspective of us as fans, if you tell me after Gallo graduates this year, it's Benji Gosnell and Daquan Ryder one-two tight end room, that can be sick because of how athletic those guys and how nasty they can be. Yeah, and, and I, I like that because, I mean, I always like to, to see a good balance of tight end talent. So if you're telling me Benji's coming along, he's going to kind of be your more balanced guy, guy that can block, guy that can be a threat in the receiving game. Daquan, more, more the heavy carrying in the, re- in, in, the, in the receiving game by itself. And then obviously Gallo can kind of work there um, a little bit more in the inline situation. So if we can kind of mix and match those and make that work, I like that. But let's move over to the defensive line. Um, looking at the returning production and depth at, at defensive end, is it time to worry about this unit in 2023, or have you seen guys kind of take that next step so far this offseason? I tell you what, that's one of the spots I'm worried about, the the defensive end depth. I, I, mostly because a lot of it's young and experienced guys that they've never had to be the starter, right? Um, I, I think Cole Nelson, C.J. McRae, Jordan McRae, Donald, uh, whichever McDonald twin is. Um, Jordan sounds right. Yes, Jordan. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of those guys, have they've got good talent. I just think a lot of them never had to be that defensive end before, that starter, the one that has to, the one that has to play snap after snap after snap. That's what I worry about. Um, I, I think maybe a little bit. Um, I, I think there could be more depth there. I think that's one of the big problems that, that um, you know, J.C. Price obviously brought in multiple guys at tackle in the last class, didn't really bring in any guys um, in this year's class. And um, Finlayer, um, the freshman, Ishmael from, from Canada, I believe, um, he had his arm in a sling the other day of practice. He, he, had, he had an injury. So um, that's a spot where I'm not worried. I'm a little bit questioning uh, concern maybe i think you could use i'm curious to see how that plays out um, and, and if 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 those guys have taken the next step right we know how good the tacklers are we know how experienced they are can cole nelson and cj mcgray and jordan mcdonald and those guys on the edge take the next step because if they can it's going to be a long season on the defensive line um but there's not a whole lot behind them necessarily and i think that's kind of a, a problem a little bit. I, I will say, I mean, Keyshawn Burgos, I think, is, is a guy who um, he's got more reps with the kind of, with the twos. And I think he could have a solid role, but I, I did, did think it was interesting the other day. Um, Jordan McDonald was taking the two snaps at the at right end, and then with the threes, he moved over to left end, which kind of tells you that they're really only – four five guys that they're comfortable with um oh oh so and again but but here's the thing maybe i mean you know maybe one of those guys cole nelson cj mccray come out and have a fantastic year right we don't know um but i think they lack that one true veteran 
who, who's been there before and done it. I should add that, that Phil Darius Payne, I mean, he's kind of going to be a hybrid guy a little bit. He's still dealing with an injury too. And then they get, they get James Jeanette in, which I think is important, uh, which I think adds a little bit more depth, but, but right now there's not really that experienced guy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. When you look at it, you don't have a guy that you can just point to and say, that guy's going to make you a play when you need it because you know, we saw last year there was, you know, up and down performances, even even for a guy that was experienced like Taiwan Garbutt. And, you know, I just think that if we can find someone that can can be that that playmaker, that guy that can get to the quarterback this year, because that's something we've kind of really haven't had in, in, a, in a couple of years now. So um, I, I'd like to see maybe one of those guys come on and, and be able to take over that role. Definitely, definitely. And uh, looking at the defensive tackle position, uh, we know we have a little bit more uh, size and a little bit more, you know, veteran presence there. When you look at, you know, Fuga and Kendricks and Pollard, thank God they came back. Um, but have you seen some – have you seen anybody pushing to get into the two deep behind those guys that we kind of know we're going to see? And, again, like we talked about, I think they're sliding um, the um, – What's in pain? I think they're sliding pain down inside as well. So we got some things going there, but have you seen anybody pushing to, to try to get in that too deep? Yeah, well, I think you know, Wilfred Panay was the guy there last year. Yeah. Um, I've been impressed with Malachi Madison, and and I think he's kind of pushed that envelope a little bit. I think he, I think he could make a, a really good case to be that fourth guy. Um, I think Lamar Law and Gunnar Givens aren't necessarily that far behind. Um, Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying I would expect them to play, but I think I think those are the next two guys that are kind of pushing that group. Um, There's certainly much more depth at tackle than there is at end. I'll say that. Um, But I think Malachi Madison could be that fourth guy. I I legitimately think that I think he's come along a long way. Um, And and J.C. Price is is kind of. I haven't talked to JC in a while, but but um, but he's a guy I think that JC's pretty high on that um, that has a, a lot of potential if he can continue to, to trend in the right direction. Um, and I think he's he's a guy that can give Panay a, a run for his money for that fourth spot. Well, sorry, we David. Run. David's yeah. like tempering my expectations. Like, whoa, whoa, slow, slow. yeah. But what well, you but no, what, you, what we said earlier though? It's the freshman to sophomore years is where you want yeah. to see guys take the steps. And when you hear when I hear you say Malachi Madison, we we saw him last year. He is a big bodied guy. We know Lamar Law is a big body guy. Gunner has the body. And and Callie's been preaching all along. We've got to get bigger on the trenches. And when you say those guys are looking better, I hear that that freshman to sophomore things are clicking. They're pushing more. So I, I mean I get it. I don't expect and by all means, if they start this year, that's great. But you know, but the point I get excited about is knowing that when Pollard and when Kendricks are gone next year, it's not just Fuga out there. You've got some young guy pushing for playing time, and these other two are starting to make that steady rise up. Um, and I do really worry about the end, like you mentioned earlier. I think we all do. And I think yeah. if you say there's one portal addition this year after spring, it's got to be edge without a doubt. Yeah. Um, now let's flip to the linebacker room because I think that room does not need any portal, guys. I mean, goodness gracious, J.R. Walker – you know, left the program, but it's still loaded all over the place. Um, but the big questions at Mike, like who's going to play there? You know, is it Tisdale? Is it Keller? 
which of the young guys are making the big push for that spot this spring? Well, Jaden McDonald was working there a couple of weeks ago. That was when Tisdale was out and Walker was still in the program. It's changed a little bit since. Jaden Keller was taking the one rep set at Mike the other day. Um, and Pry has been impressed with them. And I think Keller's starting to actually come along. I think before he's had so much potential, right? You've heard everybody rave about him time and time again. I think it's gotten to the point where where he's really starting to show that he knows what he's doing and he can kind of digest the information and, and help people adjust. Brent Price specifically referred to an instance in, in practice the other day where Keller noticed that the defensive line was was kind of lined up, not incorrectly, so to speak, but but they were off a little bit. And he noticed that and corrected them and was able to be in his right spot, right? Uh, Pry was kind of concerned with him just being able to get down Will. And he's gotten been able to kind of get down Will and Mike a little bit. So um, I think I think Keller might be the guy at Mike, uh, as far as young guys are concerned. Um, obviously, Tisdale's still there, and, and he missed practice when I was at a couple weeks ago. Um, and then, of course, I was gone, and now Tisdale's back um, as I'm back. Um, I, I think he was at practice last week as, as well. But um, but I think it, it could be the Keller-Tisdale punch at 1-2 um, in, in, in no specific order. Um, but I think Keller's coming along a long way, which bodes well because they've got they've got a good a good will. They've got a good Sam, right? They've got Kelly Lawson and Keonta Jenkins. Those are two talented guys. If you can figure out the mic, you're in good shape. Yeah. Speaking of that, so you know, you, you talked about Lawson, you talked about um, you know the other positions there at Sam and Will. What is the most intriguing three-man con- uh, combo that you've seen at practice so far? I think it's got to be uh, the the Jenkins Keller Lawson because those guys fly around the field and they're fun to watch. I mean, we all saw what what Lawson did last year towards the end of the year, um, just his length and his defensive presence. Um, but but Keonta Jenkins, I think, had a, had a really I don't want to say quiet year maybe, but, but he kind of had a quiet, really good year last year. Um, yeah. And I think if Keller can continue to get it down, I think those three can be really formidable. And that's not just, you know, that's not just this year's, um, this year's group, but that's a couple years down the line. Right. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, Keonta Jenkins, I believe has maybe one more year. Um, I don't have it up in front of me, but, but I do think that, um, you know, Lawson and Keller are, are your guys. Um, and I think they kind of fly around the field. They're, they're very young. They've got the energy. They've got the ability to kind of cover all this ground, them and, and Jenkins. I, I think that's going to be really intriguing if it plays out that way. Um, I think that's going to be a, a really intriguing trio. Definitely. Yeah. He is a legend. He is the man. <laughs> And, and Jenkins is a senior this year, so he was there during COVID. So he came in in 2020, so he has a COVID year left, David. So Jenkins technically has two years left. So, yeah. I mean, let's get him more excited. What you got, Tally? Um, listening to him talk about just the the, yeah. the the people that we have that could fill into these spots is, is intriguing and exciting because – I just keep hearing length, length, length. You know what I'm saying? You've got people that 
of course, athleticism too. You know, Kelly Lawson is a much different type player than someone like a Dax Hollyfield. No disrespect to Dax. I think Dax did what he was supposed to do really well. But when you have an athlete that you can put at linebacker, um, you're able to do some different things. And I think that that's going to be fun to watch. Um, another question that I guess I'll have for you, David, is just um, name one player in this this linebacker unit that maybe a lot of folks in Virginia Tech Twitter, Virginia Tech fan base, uh, don't know that it's just not on our radar that could crack this uh, this too deep going into the fall. Well, I think there are a lot of young guys coming in, right? Um, over the summer, you got Asen Stevens, DeVorian Copeland, Caleb Woodson, who you guys mentioned earlier. Don't forget about Stone Snyder, the, the VMI transfer, right? I don't know, I don't know what what his immediate impact is going to be. But I think I think going into the fall, there is going to be a hole with those four guys I mentioned. The linebacker room is gonna be a pretty deep room, in my opinion. I think there's gonna be a lot of a lot of talent there. And here's the other thing, right? Snyder obviously um, you know, is an older guy. He's only going to be here for a year. Tisdale's not after this year. Jenkins has one more year left. Everybody else has multiple years of eligibility left. This is a linebacker room for the future, right? Um, I know that didn't exactly answer your question, but I think I'm curious to see how those three freshmen, when they get here, when they get to campus, where do they kind of fall in line? Um, and I think McDonald is another guy I'm very curious to watch. Um, you know, it's going to be hard for him, I think, to, to, to get number one reps potentially just because of the other talent in the room. Um, but, but I do think, you know, he's come a long way. And he and his brother, obviously, you know, they're really hardworking guys. And I think they could both play potentially big roles. So this is a linebacker room, I think, for the future for Virginia Tech. Yeah, the McDonald's seemed like they picked up the defense really quick, and that helped them get kind of on that field pretty quickly. And obviously, you know, there are other talented guys around them, and some of that's starting to kind of rise to the top. So, yeah, that definitely explains that for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm interested to see what what Stone can do as well, um, just because, you know, we, we, we know the numbers that he put up elsewhere. So can that translate? And, and, and if that does translate, does that add just another layer to that, that mic battle, you know, once, uh, once fall practice starts. And everybody who doesn't know our buddy, Robbie that uh, is usually uh, on the show with us and is in the comments. He is a, uh, he's one of our coaches that's, that's close to the program. He got some airtime the other day. Uh, on the on the promo <laughs> film of the coaches, so Robbie, it was good to see you on that. But he does give us a lot of insight on what he sees at practices and players that he see in the um, that he sees in the area. So he's not just somebody that's on here bullshit. He he knows his stuff and he's he's seen a lot of football. But and he got players with rings. Yeah, he exactly. got players with rings. <laughs> and if you look at Robbie, Robbie looks like a football coach. I don't know if I want to put Robbie in a, in, a, in, a, in a dark alley by himself. But switching gears a little bit, David, uh, talking about one of our, you know, hopeful stars, uh, Dorian Strong. He was kept out a lot last year due to an injury. How has he looked uh, coming back from that injury? He's looked like himself. He's looked okay. like a. He's a more energized version, man. He, I tell you, Dorian. Dorian is one of the, my favorite players to cover on this team, simply because he's always got a smile on his face. He's always joking around, maybe a little bit too much, uh, but but he's he's a very 
energetic guy, awesome guy. Um, and we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and, and he, he kind of told us that it was tough for him at times. You know, he had to lean on on some of his family. Um, you know, just mentally it was tough, right? His season – he essentially knew his season was over, but he didn't think that at first, right? He thought he was going to be able to come back and play. And the doctors told him he had to have surgery. And he was like, yeah. he went from kind of kind of being like, okay, I can't wait to get back to, man, I'm not going to be able to get back. And he spent a lot of time watching film on himself of what he could do better. And, and he looks like, a, I don't want to say he looks like himself, but but he he looks brand new. I mean, he, he is energized and he's ready to go. And um, he's looked really good. I will say he's still kind of trying to, I think, get back to 100%. Like, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's looking pretty well um, so far, but I think he's, I, I wouldn't say a hundred percent. He's done some one-on-one stuff alone off to the side, a couple, you know, one or two practices that I've seen. Um, but I think he's, he's come a long way and, and, you know, Mansoor Delane, you pair him and Dorian Strong together, man. And Derek Canteen, somebody that the coaching staff has raved about this year. That is a really good starting DB room, man. Um, I'm really excited to see what Dorian does. I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, right? Um, yeah. You know, he you got to have, have a chip wearing 44, man. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we get him into a single digit? I'll take a 20 has- number. I'll take 29. <laughs> 44 is that's, Keep going. <laughs> he, he, had, he had such a great year, right? Um, and he had so much promise last year. I think it – I think he was kind of just bummed. Um, he, he's got a little bit of fire in him, you know. Now he's he's he feels like himself again. He's playing football, and I think that's the important thing. And that's awesome. the thing. He is a, he is a good football player. And you mentioned David about the starters. I mean, strong Delaney Canteen. That's a hell of a front three. It's a hell of a three across the board, and guys you feel comfortable probably putting in multiple situations. But who's becoming four and five? Because football is a game of attrition rotation. I mean, I, I look at the roster here. You see Devin Alves, the big-bodied guy out of Florida. Cam Johnson got some run last year. Who do you like? Who do you see going in there? Because obviously, during practice, they're rotating them. Who are you seeing more of in uh, with the cheetahs out there? Um, the 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 twos and the threes the other day. Um, you know, it's a it's Cam Johnson. Um, Antonio Cotman Jr., who's of course an early enrollee. Okay. Um, he, he I, I don't believe he was in practice the other day, but he was a couple weeks ago when I saw him. He was repping with the twos. So, um, and, and Elijah Howard. I think those are some of the guys that are coming along in that room. Um, again, I'm curious. Again, here's what you got to remember, right? There are a whole – you mentioned cheetahs. There are a whole lot of cheetahs coming in over the summer, right? Allie mentioned Raylan Johnson earlier. There are a ton of freshmen coming in. I think I think that room is only going to get more competitive um, as this year goes on. I agree. I agree. Um, again, going back to what we're talking about earlier when we talked about just recruiting and, 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 and going out and getting people – this this staff has brought in some people that are when you talk about a freshman enrolling early and getting any kind of run with ones, twos, threes, it is tough to come from high school to college because anybody who's played, if you went from Pee Wee to middle school and middle school to high school, 
you always run into a speed difference. The speed of the game is so fast when you go to different levels. And when you pull in somebody like a Cotman that, you know, a lot of people said, oh, well, he's in, he's not this or he's that. If you look at him, he looks like he can go play. His body, his body looks like he can go play on a college field. And what, what Cunningham is telling us, I mean, he's picking up the speed of the game pretty good. So, again, we know it's spring ball, but it's definitely good to hear when we have young guys that are able to step in and make a difference because we need it, you know. We, we definitely need that. Yeah, it definitely seeing that room kind of level up from guys that were experienced but maybe not quite as talented as you like to see, and, and now you're seeing the level of play get ratcheted up a little bit. So that's nice to see as well. Um, let's talk about the safeties a little bit. We got a lot of certainty at the starting spot with Asir Peoples and Jalen Stroman. Not a ton of proven depth behind them, though. Will the two deep consist of some heretofore un- underutilized veterans, or will there be a youth movement in that rotation? We're talking about safeties? Yeah. Behind uh, the behind the, 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 the people that are streaming, guys. Jalen Jones and Moe's Phillips, I think, they're picking up stuff really quickly. Okay. Um, um, Moe's Phillips, is, first of all, is a heat-seeking missile. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, uh, God, who was it? Who was it that we chatted with the other day that that admitted that to us? Um, there was one of the safeties we chatted with, and I wrote it down. I asked him, I was like, "Is he like a heat-seeking missile out there?" He was like, "Oh yeah." Um, and we talked to Pearson Prelude the other day too. Um, oh, we talked to Jalen Stroman, um, and Stroman was like, "Yeah, yeah, most feels like heat-seeking missile." I think he and Jalen Jones have picked up on stuff really, really well. Um, two guys who are kind of both new to that position in terms of one transfer from, you know, moved over from wide receiver. The other is in his first semester. But I think those are two guys that have a lot of potential. And like you mentioned, Tally, they are attuned to the speed of the game, right? They've picked up and adjusted to the speed of the game. It's not really that slow for them, or it's not really that fast for them, right? They can keep up and they understand it. I'm curious to see how those guys kind of, uh, get better and improve and become even more of a, a rely, you know, guys that tech can rely on um, when we get closer to, to the August. Um, because I think they both got really good potential. I think most Phillips, you know, the fact that most Phillips is already on campus and, and he's essentially repping with the twos and that's amazing. That's um, he, he, and you know, those DBs that those guys are recruiting, they're, they're smart, they're talented, they handle themselves very, very well. So I, I think Jones and, and Phillips are two guys that um, it would not shock me for them to be in the 2D come the fall. And when you – yeah, when you talk about, you know, these young players and somebody like a Mose Phillips and you say he's a heat-seeking missile, for guys who don't know a lot about football or don't, you know, just, t- t- just tune in to Saturday's games – uh, you got to build depth. You know, you got to have you got to have uh, uh, special teams players. So, who doesn't want a six-two heat-seeking heat-seeking missile going down on 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 kickoff team and going and and tracking the ball? So, this may be sometimes you don't see these guys get a lot of playing time uh, in the one or two deep, but if they're able to contribute in that special teams room and keep some of the ones off the field so we're not getting hurt on special teams, that's a big deal. So that's that's definitely good to hear. 
We'll yeah, talk about Jones too. Um, you know, when we look when I when I looked at him, you said oh, it. You said it. I was going to say, say it. What you've always talked about, Jalen Jones and the way he plays, man. Jo- Jones reminds me of a lot of not not necessarily ability wise, but the way he ran with the ball, at, playing wide receiver. Anquan Bolden. He ran physical. He ran hard. And I feel like that's going to translate to special teams like Tally was just talking about. And obviously to, you know, backing up, you know, one of those safeties on the other side where he can use that physicality and that size to his advantage. I think the coaches should have a video segment of Divine Diablo and show Jalen Jones every chance they get. I stand there the same exact player, but maybe kind of the same path. Hey, he's in the league. So, (laughs) Uh, you can say whatever you want about him. I don't think nobody's gonna say anything bad, but that's who I'd be showing. That's who I'd be showing Jalen Jones videos of. Yep, hundred percent. And and it's good to hear that they're out there and they're pushing already. It's the speed of the game. You know, for Jalen, it makes sense, right? Jalen's played. Jason's been in. Jalen's been involved on the field for so long. But to hear someone like Most Phillips come in immediately and start, you know picking up and is likely going to be that too deep guy. It goes to what Thomas is saying here. You're starting to build rooms where they're so deep, where it's, you know, Phillips, you know, you've got Stroman, who's a young guy, Phillips and Jones are younger guys where it's going to take a while. But when you have a while, when it takes a while, you're developing them. They're ready to go physically and speed wise when they get there. Now you mentioned coaches and we do have some things to ask you about the coaches. Um, You've had a chance to see Tyler Bowen and Stu Holt in their new roles. I mean, Stu Holt is not really a new role. He's coached tight ends half his career. But for Tyler Bowen, it's really the first time in that quarterback room. And I know it's at a distance, but how are they looking so far? Let's start with Tyler because, to me, that's the the one everybody wants to know about. I think they're both fine. Um, I I think – I think Bowen being closer to the quarterbacks has been a benefit, right? He's hands-on with the quarterbacks all the time. And, of course, that's the battle everybody wants to know more about, drones and wells, right? He's more hands-on with those guys than anybody. Um, from everything I can tell, it's, that's playing out really well so far. Um, and, and you mentioned Holt. I, I think Holt, is, Holt has been fine. I think it, it, the tight end room is kind of a lot more known than unknown, right? Um, yeah. I'm sure that transition wasn't too complicated for him. And uh, it seems like he, every, everything in that room is going well so far. But but I think Bowen is the one that everybody's curious about. And, um, from everything I can tell, he's transitioned really, really well. And everybody in the room is taken to that transition well, which is very important. Yeah, if, if you've got the buy-in from the players, I think that's the most important thing. Because if you don't have that, then you're kind of fighting a losing battle and it's hard to get back above water. Um, let's let's talk about this. This is a little more a little more fun question. Kind of give, give you a chance to, um, you know, pull something out of left field here. Is there any coach who stands out to you for kind of how they operate during practice or anything like that? Derek Jones is awesome, man. Uh, <laughs> he's he, he's con- I mean he's constantly challenging his guys. Um, I think it, it's tough because some of the coaches work in certain areas. Um, where it's like certain areas of the field where it's hard to kind of hear everything you're saying. But, um, but I, I enjoy listening to Sean Quinn, but I also enjoy listening to Derek Jones. Derek Jones is constantly challenging his guys, constantly challenging his guys to get better and be better. That's what, that's what you expect from a coach. Um, I'll say this. I think all the coaches are great people and they're great guys. 
Um, and, and he's done a really good job. Uh, Brent Pry has done a really good job, I should say, of hiring good people and, and guys who, who have good personalities and are fitting in well. I'm curious to see how the product of the football field turns out. But but I think when you wander around in practice and you're listening to all these guys, they're fired up. They're ready to go. Derek Jones is, um, you could say in a way, talking some talking some shit um, um, to <laughs> to like some of the players. Right? He's challenging them. Right? He's saying, "Hey, man, don't be don't be dumb. You know, like get your act together." Right. And that's how you continue to one build their character, but continue to, to help them grow as, as both players and, and actual, you know, humans. And, um, you know, so I've, I've enjoyed watching Derek Jones. I think he's, I think he's one pretty funny and, and two, he's, he's real, right. He's real with his guys. I think a lot of the other coaches are too. I think Fontel Mines is, is a great guy. Um, yeah, of course. I you know, I missed a week or two covering women's basketball, so I didn't get to be around practice as much as I would like. But um, but I do think for the most part, you know, though I, I've enjoyed being around all the staff because they're nice people and uh, and they really challenge your guys to, to be the best version of themselves. Yep, and then I guess uh, you know talking kind of since you brought up just different personnel groups and different coaching uh, different coaches in their groups uh, talking personnel. Um, what groups do you think are the most fluid from like practice to practice uh, in terms of either like starting personnel or just personal groupings? I think it's wide receiver. I mean, I told you guys earlier, Fontel Mines is kind of mixing that. and matching. <laughs> Fontel Mines is kind of mixing and matching, right? I think, I think God's now and Holloway have both kind of taken the responsibility of they're the guys who are leading the group, but um but I think it's kind of mixing and matching with some of the young guys. I'm curious. I'm very curious in the spring game when we see some of those young guys in in the, the that uniform for the first time, how they look, right? Yeah, definitely. Can they get sep- Can they get separation? They're playing against some pretty good DBs for the most part on the other side. Um, but I think wide receiver is one of those rooms where there are so many scholarship guys, right, trying to to balance all the reps and figure out what guys – um, what guys are where each day? I think that's probably the, the group that's most fluid. I understand, and, and yeah, so you know, some people's probably gonna lose their minds one way or the other, you know, during the spring game. Uh, hey, reel it in, it's gonna be all right. I'm gonna be David's bodyguard, I'm gonna be <laughs> hanging out with them. So, y'all just let me know if y'all got any questions, y'all come through me. And then <laughs> I love this, but before before I ask my next question, I, I do need to make a quick uh, thing here for tally and uh, j- just just so y'all know where that game certainly stands. <laughs> I needed to update knew, y'all because I know y'all. I knew, I knew how this game was gonna go before it was even played. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> David, I, I I I podcast with two Lakers fans here. The chat some my, our, our text sometimes is this Lakers talk, and I just look down like oh, man, I gotta deal with this. But here here's my next question: Who have you seen merge into the uh, leadership role that maybe you weren't expecting this offseason? I think the big one is Derek Canteen. Um, I think he's coming immediately and, and taking a leadership role. He's a guy who was a freshman All-American pretty much at, at Georgia Southern, right? And then dealt with some injuries, and he has some up and downs. 
he's come in. First of all, he's a phenomenal. He's phenomenally well spoken. Um, he's a great guy to be around. We had a chance to speak with him, and and he and he was awesome. He's a guy who who the other guys have really looked up to, and for guys like Dorian Strong and Monsoor Delane, they've challenged. You know, his presence has challenged them to be better. Um, I think he's made that whole room a whole lot better, um, and I think he's the big one. He's come in and and he's basically. Yeah, he's a transfer. Yeah, he's in a new environment, but he's taking up a leadership role and he's challenging everybody to be a better version of themselves. And that's important. That's what you need in this program for it to to get to that next level. Yeah, and I think we, you know we had a whole episode where we talked about you know who who are the new leaders going to be. So it's it's nice to kind of get a leadership role from maybe that guy that you're not expecting. And I think Canteen falls into that category because I don't think any of us necessarily you know, drew a circle around Canteen and said, he's going to be a guy that's going to really kind of drive the DB room or, or anything like that. So having a guy like that step up, that just makes everybody else below him stronger. So that's important. Let's talk about this though, because, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at spring practice. We're looking at depth. You specifically have talked about the wide receiver room. We're kind of right at what, about eight scholarships over the limit right now. What position groups do you think will have the most portal attrition post-spring, and are there any groups where we can afford to add another player or two if things open up? I think you can always add add offensive linemen or defensive linemen. I think that you, you can never go wrong with adding more guys. Um, I, I think the linebacker room is fine. I think the DB room is fine for the most part, though it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if there maybe was one guy who left that room. Is kind of, they, they like keeping that room tight. Um, but I think that's at a good number. I think most of the attrition is on the offensive side of the ball. Um, six quarterbacks is too many. Uh, it's just it's just playing too many. Um, and wide receiver, you do not need fourteen scholarship wide receivers. I'm sorry, that's just the way it goes. So so you know everywhere else, I think is is all right. Um, I I think you would you would love to add some offensive linemen or defensive linemen if you can, but. Um, I think quarterback and, and wide receiver are really the two where I'm like, there are too many people in this room. There are 20 guys between quarterback and wide receiver. And there are what, maybe three, four guys on the field at one time between those two positions. You, you don't need 20 guys between those two positions. So um, I'm, I think that's where all the attrition is really going to come from. I agree. And, yep. And it'll be interesting to see who goes and who stays as we get in the fall. And I think, you know, having you, David, on with us tonight, you know, with all the points you've been making, even though you've been on the road for, you know, <laughs> for close to almost two weeks and still having your insight, man, you know, we, we really appreciate it. We appreciate you joining us again. You know, we're going to probably have you back as we get closer to, uh, the first game of the season. So mark your calendar, even though we know you're going to be in Blacksburg, really right there at it. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> Tally, Brian, anything else y'all want to add? Anything breaking over Nothing. the last two hours? My, my, my Lakers spirit, other than that, I think. All right, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the main thing for Cunningham, what, you got anything planned for the spring game? Any fun festivities or tailgates I need to – Attend. Man, I'm a working man. I, I, I'm not tailgating. Who do you, who do you think I am, man? Um, I, I, it's actually my sister's birthday that weekend. She's a 
a junior at Tech. Uh, so I'm going nice. to be spending some time with her. My fam, I got some family coming into town. Um, I guess that's what happens when your brother and sister go to school here. Um, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time with some family, and I'll be I'll be working a lot. Um, but no, I'm excited. I think it'll be a good weekend, especially since I've been gone all over the place. It'll be nice to to have a lot of people. I don't know if it'll be nice to have a lot of people in Blacksburg, but it'll, it'll be cool to see a whole lot of people. Um, I'm sure I'll I'll cross paths with you guys, assuming you guys are there, and um, a whole whole lot of other people. But yeah, I think I think this is a you know it's a big weekend, right? Um, big sport, big other sporting events at home. Yep. Um, you've got obviously a three point two for thirty two. I'm curious to see how the spring game plays out. I don't know how much we're actually going to you know be able to take away from it, but but I do think this is an opportunity for a lot of these guys to to, to showcase a little bit what they have. I mean, we came away with from the spring game last year and said, man. Kayla Smith is good. Well, that was the only wide receiver who could do anything last year. But what <laughs> we came away from the from last year saying, man, this offensive line is a mess. Now, to be fair, they did split it up. But, but how how does yeah. that stuff look, right? Uh, we're, we'll come away with probably a couple big takeaways, and um, and those will be our talking points going forward. So, um, hope you guys get a chance to come into town and view it. I'm sure you guys are, and uh, can't wait to see you all. I'm sure we'll all cross paths sometime soon. Absolutely. Again, David Cunningham from Tech Sideline. If y'all do not know, Tech Sideline's running a great special right now. Um, 120 for the entire year of all of their in-depth coverage. Um, David, you always write, great man. You always do us right by coming on here. So thank you for coming. That does wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast, brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Wilson, with our guest, David Cunningham. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Jonathan Talley. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerBT.com, to listen to all of our episodes. Brian, you're going to need to stand up here in a moment. And also visit our newly launched merchandise shop. Show the, show the logo. Oh, Boundary okay, Corner it. Store. You got to get up and you got to turn around. I'm sorry. I got to monitor here. You got to turn around, man. You got to turn your back. So where you can get – there you go. And if you oh, don't yeah. know, for all of the Virginia Tech fans, if you don't know what that means – you need to come over here one night with me, Tally. David will join you, and we will educate on you what we swarm baby means. Because if you don't know, you have not been a fan long enough, and we will educate you. All right. While you're there, follow us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe on our YouTube channel where a lot of people were watching tonight. We really appreciate you guys out there and chatting with us. Podcast Source, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, all of them. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us in, play us out. And Brian, he's got dates. He's got back. dates. He's out of. He's out of. He's out of hibernation. He's out. Of, he's Long. out of the dungeon uh, recording the, the the new hits. The new hits. Yes, it will be. Uh, going to be at the Grandin Village Farmers Market down in Roanoke. Actually, on the spring game, going to be there from eight to noon, and then in June. Harmony for Hope, supporting a lymphoma research foundation at Mango's Bar and Grill. So check him out at jasonlawmusic.com, where you can link to all his music, Apple, Spotify, and on his YouTube and Facebook pages. For two hours and eight minutes and 30 seconds, we thank you all for listening. And as always, let's go. Okay. Okay.